conversation, an epic conversation, with uh, Toronto-based writer Damien Rogers. We talk about uh, her great memoir uh, about her mother, about the music scene in Chicago that we both know, um, about reading tarot, and a lot, lot more. If you don't uh, enjoy this conversation, then I don't know what to tell you. Here you go. I mean, I'll, I find all of this tech stuff that we use now so much is, uh, you know, it's like everything. When it works, it's great. And then when it doesn't work, it's the most maddening thing. So It is. And there's like seven different places you got to search around for, uh, because each com computer setup is different. The sound yeah. settings, like what? Where the voice comes out, where the output, input, all this stuff, and I'm I'm not a tech guy at all, and I've had yeah I've, me either. Yeah, I've, I'm late to computers, and I'm late like you know, I'm just a fucking dumb painter. That's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it's what I still am, but uh, you know, there's no way around this. This is how life is lived now. Uh, it's really true. Uh, unless you, yeah, unless you live in some, you know small fishing village or something and completely gone back to the land this is this is the bargain we've made <laughs> yeah and i think you know yeah i mean even if i think even in many of these places i think it's inescapable at this point and yeah it's just where we live my husband and i were talking about that like because we've been together so long that we you know never experienced digitally based relationship hunting you know like it's oh, just yeah, like yeah. not yeah, like, part of our history at all like the idea of meeting people through that space was so fringe when we were you know first when we met each other and when where, we were single so, so when, when did you meet each other we met each other in 1998 okay when yeah. i was living in chicago and he was living in new york then so mm. it was uh yeah, it was a it was very a very different time, and it, it, but it, that just that sense of not only is it that of everybody meets online now, but that like everything happens online. You know, everything, even if the things that happen in the world are set up online. You know, like we arranged to talk. You know, everything like all of the ways in which you know you heard of me through your computer you know even even just everything everything comes to us in it's this true. space uh, yeah yeah i mean i grapple so. with this all the time all the time yeah. and I, I fight it and then i i give into it then i start fighting it again it, i mean i have a i have a persistent daydream these last few years of turning off the internet but there's just not any way for that to happen uh anytime yeah. soon like my yeah my dream is like to to check in like once a month. Oh wow! Like yeah. To turn on the thing once a month, uh, yeah. because yeah, and every, I mean I don't uh, I've bored people silly talking about this, but you know <laughs> I, I quit social media like eight years ago. Uh, uh huh. And but I keep doing these things like I have a newsletter, comes out yeah. every Monday. Yeah. And I keep switching. Um, I have to get that. I didn't know that. Uh, I keep switching uh, platforms like yeah, mm -hmm. like you. I just found out you're you're on Substack. That's one of the ones I did. Yeah. <laughs> that that was a couple of platforms ago. <laughs> For what are you using now? I have figured out how to 
how to graft on a, a, a newsletter onto my art website. And it's ah. just, it's a very, it's like an add-on, it's a WordPress add-on. Yep. And then, then I, like, jury-rigged this, like, newsletter sending app onto it. Uh, it's, <laughs> I... I, I set these projects for myself that I'm totally not equipped to handle. And oh, then well, I, I can relate I to spend that. spend weeks like <laughs> banging my head against the wall until I make it into the into a shape that I can live with. Yeah. Uh, that's this this just happened. This happened like a month ago. Right. That I switched it to this. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, no social media. But I keep obviously I need to connect to people, and I have shit to tell them and art to sell and <laughs> i have all yeah. the things that everybody uses the the, the normal social media for but <laughs> I, I i just keep trying to find a way to deal with it on my own terms in yeah in, in a what's it called um yeah at a at a scale that's manageable to my life and that will allow me to do the work which is pri the actual work is absolutely offline. Yes, that's <laughs> important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I mean I think about this a lot, like about being an artist uh, in any medium, any discipline, and thinking about the relationship uh, to how. Yeah, I guess distribution uh, and also audience, and I, I think it's something I'll probably never i think it's healthy the less i think about it the healthier i am it, like in mm -hmm. relation to the whole um though just this whole kind of way of trying to determine whether you are responding to audience yeah. or, is, or are you the quantification of, quantification it. of everything yeah. yeah and i think the and i think also that <laughs> it's so interesting too that when you say quantification, um, that's so much a part of it as well. Is I think that in the past, like the not distant past, yes, there were, of course, if you were in a band, you knew how many records you were selling, you knew yeah. how many records were being pressed, if you knew how much money was coming. There are certain ways in which that sense of having a sense of the scale of audience and yeah. how who you're reaching how you're reaching them being very clear and very clearly documented but this sense now of numbers how we interact with this immediate uh quantification of of response oh people really like things i mean even yeah. just this sense of people who do use social media to circulate or promote their work themselves as a entity and the whatever like that that relationship between it being a way of speaking to the world uh, attached to maybe in our practice i think like the the ways in which now we have all this information about well people love selfies so if you put your face like yeah. it, it, i don't know you know and just that sense it's of, sort of, of uh, engagement being so tracked it's yeah it's it's, it's one of the reasons i keep changing platforms for my newsletter yeah. is the part that drives me absolutely batshit is the uh, the stats counter yes. the stats page yeah yeah uh and i keep trying to remove it and 
so on this current thing, the only thing I can see, I've turned, I've managed to turn off, like, I don't know how many people open the newsletter. I know right. how many subscribers there are, and I know when somebody subscribes or unsubscribes. That's all I know. It's and very that, interesting. Yeah. Uh, so what, I, like, I have two things I want to ask you about yeah. that. So one is, um, why, why, I mean, I can think of lots of reasons, but I'd like to hear what, how you would articulate why you don't want to know that. Like, is it because you don't want to have a sense of what people are responding to? Um, I, d I don't want it in my head that yeah. uh, I did this thing that people liked, so yeah. I have to do more of this thing, which is yeah. the kind of market-researched art that is, well, most art or yeah. most product or whatever the fuck we call it, the, the shit that gets put out there for people to consume. Um, mm -hmm. That's not... That's not in my very very content. Old, we call oh, it oh, content. <laughs> yeah, which which to me is analogous to filler. And yeah, I, well, of course. I've, like, what is this content? It's just content like, is yeah because so there's this empty. vacuum that needs to be filled, and you fill it with with content. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I've argued with many people about the content, and people just they give in and they start using this terminology, and I just will not do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not content, and the the thing that I'm uh, you know, putting out there is not a brand, and you know, uh, yeah, it. It yeah, no, I think it's boring. all very interesting. Like how do, how you know, and I watch people who you know, brilliant people, come in and out of their own struggles with how they use these tools and mm -hmm. how they believe they're disrupting the medium sometimes, and and you know, like are we ever fully as long as we're users? And you know that word user. I mean, it's so. Anyway, yeah, it's yeah. Well, it's you're, a, yeah. if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. I mean, yep. and that's what. And I don't know why people get upset about it. Some all these engineers and tech people and whatever else built this thing, and why should you get it for free? Yeah. Uh, it's not. It's their hamster wheel, and you're running on it, and you're you're give, providing them data. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. No, I think about this a lot in relation to like all of the things I do, and the ways in which also uh, it's very it I, and it's very interesting to me that we are in this moment where people genuinely feel. I remember when earlier in this phase of social media being not just a way that people talk to their friends, but became a way that people promoted their work, mm -hmm. uh, particularly in small, like I remember using Facebook events yeah. pages all the time. Early well, I mean, did you, were you on MySpace? You know, <laughs> I, I never thought I was. And then I think I found some reference in something like old fragment uh, in my, you know, quote unquote archives uh, uh -huh. that referenced yeah. something about MySpace. I was like, oh, maybe I did have one for a minute. I never was, a, um, and again, I think a lot of that was I was at that awkward, you know, I'm very Gen X. So I was mm -hmm. in a relationship, um, you know, I was in the middle of this weird career that is hard to define that I've been in for a while. So at that point, like when all of this stuff started happening, like MySpace, Friendster, all that stuff, I was, uh, an arts journalist at an alt weekly, but I was in my thirties, so I wasn't really of that, yeah. um, you know, that generation that grew up inside it. 
and it felt very optional to me. Uh, and you know, it, and I, I remember feeling very late to Facebook and mm. a painter I'm still really close to, I'm just remembering now, I sort of decided, okay, you know, like we had a conversation about it and she was explaining why she did it. And then, you know, I don't think she's there anymore, but you know, it, I, it, and I remember how, how quickly it became some, I, I just, I also like remember it being something that people would police in public too. I remember being at a cafe and having someone I was having like a meeting or an interview mm -hmm. with looking over at some you know woman by herself at a yeah. table and saying she's been looking at at facebook for the whole time we've been talking so it's and, a, you know it's a you mean it's a value some kind of value yeah judgment. like yeah, yeah it was interesting like there was there was a period where it felt um in the same way that people used to really judge people who met online or something mm -hmm. you know it was when it was an it early was, thing yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, it's fine if you're, you you know, you're in and you're out. But if you're living in there, it's quite desperate or sad. There's something mm -hmm. almost pathetic about it. It's worthy of disdain. And then it became ubiquitous to the point that now with Instagram and the artists and people I know who use it for small businesses. And, I think you know, it's, most, it's most gallery intense. art transactions are now on Instagram. Yeah, I'm like wild. in major gal blue chip galleries. I mean, yep. Yeah, and then things are being painted. I mean, I know you know this, but uh, you know, paintings, things, you know, artwork is being made in the direction of what will reproduce well as these thumbnails in of this course. particular, yeah. right? Because that's how people are purchasing them. And well, because because the art world, well, writ large, art world has become just this place for rich people to hide their money. Yeah. Well, and that's been quite a while, right? And I had, it's funny, it's, I was It's always been, but like it's gotten really obvious and gross. Yeah, and yeah. This, like the, you know, people are, and I've read a million articles about this whole NFT thing. But, oh, God. But paintings have been NFTs for hundreds of years. Paintings yeah. are NFTs. It's yeah. a place that, whose value is complete secret and can be gamed by anybody. And it's a way of not paying taxes, you yeah. know. Like. Yeah, yeah, and like parking your money somewhere. And yeah. I, I think that, uh, <laughs> like, I, I remember having this conversation with somebody who didn't know. It, we were at this literary, this poetry prize gala. That mm -hmm. you know, it's, he was a painter, and he wasn't particularly aware of a lot of experimental poetics. This was like a pretty mainstream prize. So he was looking at the types of people who were being honored. And he said, you know, it's very interesting that um, how far behind poetry is to visual art in terms of moving away from representation. And, you know, uh -huh. like this feels very, uh, you know, old fashioned in a lot of ways. And I said, well, first of all, that it speaks a little bit to like where we're sitting as a, mm -hmm. you know, there, there is sure. work that, that just doesn't go anywhere. But I said also, and I feel like he didn't understand what I was saying. And I really still believe it, that this is very true is that, um, part of the reason poetry is, uh, is so marginalized. I mean, there's many reasons and, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm not here to talk about why it shouldn't be, but maybe I do think <laughs> maybe I should be, but I mean, well, but I mean, I used to try, I'm, I'm so bored with that oh, yeah. fruitless conversation, but, um, you know, it doesn't make anybody any money. That's the thing. Yeah, nobody, nobody else, because that's, I think always, how do people get, um, how, you know, how do arts, 
artists become wealthy, of, you know, regardless of genre, that there, there's some kind of correlation between what their skill is and that not just that they make something that other people um, love, admire, want yeah. to experience in some way. It's there's some other institutional space that will profit from from the work that you create. So it's 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 always to me uh, a reflection of the fact that um, you know there I, I, I still you know if, if there's an art form in which uh, people aren't making anybody else any money, yeah. then um, I'm I'm kind of fat. I'm always sort of drawn into these corners, you know, yeah. where it's it seems like there's some other reason. It doesn't mean that I don't think interesting work can be successful or can mm -hmm. create and generate like wide conversations and blah, all of that. I, you know, this a lot of work I love that that exists in very commercial spaces, but yeah. I do recognize that I am bent in a particular way that I really value um, pr any practice that seems to exist outside. <laughs> You you All like the that. hopeless the hopeless yeah. losers. <laughs> I do. I do. Oh no, I'm I'm very very. You're singing my song. I mean, well, you know? I know. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I and so I think. Or, but it's interesting to me because I also I'm fascinated. Like, okay, there's the that even that sense of hopeless or beautiful loser. You know, the yeah. the Leonard Cohen thing. There's also something I think about just our perception and what we accept. I mean, because it's interesting. I've very. Um, effectively built a bubble around me over the decades of mm -hmm. most of the people that I spend most of my time with and have most of my conversations with are other artists or people who do things that are, uh, you know, again, within this sphere of having a different value system mm -hmm. um, than measuring everything exclusively through, uh, yeah, like numbers. And, but it's, it, it having a kid thrusts you into a different, you know, sort of uh, sphere, right, of, and, you know, sure, you look for other people with kids who um, you relate to, mm -hmm. but there's just a different way, uh, there is something, it, for, and it's not, it's not a terrible thing, like, it's not a terrible thing for me <laughs> to actually have to have conversations with people who are not living very similarly to me, like, that's yeah. not bad, that's not a bad thing, but it is interesting how, um, uh, how that that assu these assumptions about reality or what is valuable and what's responsible and mm -hmm. what is a legitimate or legible way of spending your time or or what how do we you know what do we prioritize how do we yeah. um, define uh, even just whether or not someone is a loser or or um, you know a a incredibly uh, productive, happy contributor to society. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, of course, I think these are very, I mean, I'm not saying anything. No, um, but you, I mean, but... it seems like, and I mean, interestingly, you know, this, this is the first time you and I have ever spoken. Mm -hmm. yeah. I know, I was thinking that for now. I was like, all right, like, I feel like it made sense that that was you. And the, but I was like, all right, this is the yeah. first time I've heard your voice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because, but because we've corresponded since, well, ever since. I heard you on Vishkana's show, yeah, and then tracked you down, and then I had to make poor Vish, uh, like contact you because your publisher wouldn't send me 
the book fast yeah. enough so I could so, write about it. So <laughs> frustrating. That's really I weird. That was a yeah. weird. That was a weird thing, and it's a yeah. It's yeah. not un- unfortunately, it's not unique that that situation. Right. And this is you know this is a major publisher that I know. does not seem to understand like when somebody's trying to do them a sol- something that may benefit them, you know, and they just sort of like are blasé about it. Like okay, no, but uh, I mean, and it's weird, and it's been like two years now. Uh, right. I just looked it up. I couldn't believe that two years. I know. How can that be? I know. <laughs> I know. And yeah, and it is interesting because you know, I mean, that was the thick of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm working on uh, a sort of art show performance thing that, um, you know, very local uh, thing, but it it's based on some of the material that I cover in that book. And it's mm-hmm. been really interesting to return to it and to think about it in a, in this slightly different moment with a little bit more distance and also um, thinking about it because I couldn't meet anybody in, in person when that book came out and I couldn't tour it. I couldn't uh, read from it in a room. And so yeah. I'm trying to, find a way to, but you know, at, at the same time, it feels like I, I can't call it a, a book launch. I mean, it's two years later, but right. trying to find a way back into the material that gives it another way to live. But it's interesting because two years, it does feel like in our world, two years after something enters the world feels like, it, I mean, it's I like mean, it I think existed, it's we- Yeah, I think know? it's weird that I was just talking, I was, I recorded one of these with a musician and we're just talking about the, the cycle of, say, like recording a record and you write, you write the songs, whatever, record the mm-hmm. record, and then it's a year or two later and then you got to go on the road yeah. and keep playing those same songs over and over and over again. And how can you make that interesting for yourself? You know what yeah. I mean? And that That's an alien land. I've never been in a band and each thing I do you know, is maybe it's not brand new, but it seems new and I'm trying to make it a new thing. You know, yeah. Time. Although I think if for, I mean, I can't speak for musicians, but I know for me with performance, I mean, there is a point when I've had to read from the same book for a while and there is like a state, I mean, again, not recently, but in the past. And I remember feeling, you know, there is a point at which it starts to feel, uh, okay. I don't, Almost, there's a quality. I mean, for me, I experienced it as feeling a little embarrassed. Like, oh, yeah. oh, you know, like I'm just repeating these same things yeah. over again. It's you know, wanting to have something new to offer. But I also think that the thing that I love about music and seeing uh, bands over and over again perform the same material in different ways is that elevation of the performance as a way to create something new every time so Mm -hmm. i think that that's exciting to me and i think that idea of what happens when we are all breathing the same oxygen you know Mm -hmm. and we are actually i mean i've i've loved not having to leave my house as much over these last few years and i've felt uh Probably, I mean, I, I don't think it, again, I don't think that's healthy, <laughs> like that I necessarily, uh, the ways in which it suits my personality or it mm-hmm. suits um, 
some of my impulses to sort of isolate or just oh, I, be I, in my I, own I, world. I, I loved it. Yeah. I, I could have done I, I it mean, another five years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, and there, and I do feel like it's really interesting. Like I, I do feel uh, a bit broken in terms of understanding how I've done a few, I went to a party recently. I had to leave very soon after I arrived. I've oh, done, really? You know, I've, I've, uh, oh, you, felt you know, I'm just whatever. circulating. Oh, yeah. Okay. And also just that sense of, uh, uh, like I think without art it to look at or to experience for me being I, I love talking to people mm -hmm. but um, there's there's a certain way in which when we gather together uh, in groups mm -hmm. in public I feel uh, the the stiltedness of wandering around trying to figure out what you're supposed to do or who you're supposed oh. to talk to and for how long, you yeah. know, before you release them so that they can go have a conversation with someone See, that's, else. See, that's the feeling I've had my whole life right. at, at every party ever. Yeah. I think uh, I'm that's, not a party I think that's, person. <laughs> yeah, I think that's normal. Yeah. And I think that, I think I had this whole uh, uh, personality uh, that I created to experience the, uh, that I, that I actually could, I'd get a little into it. Like mm -hmm. I'd, I'd enjoy aspects of it. I used to kind of get lit up by it in the way that I would get lit up by performing. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, there was yeah. an element of, of it feeling like an improvisational performance and, yeah. uh, you know, an exchange and that there was something exciting about it. Uh, and I think a lot of that is also youth and all, you know, what, yeah. being excited about the moment and things that, that time changes and I don't feel as pulled to be among my peers in a room and in the same way, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm much more interested in having one-on-one -on -one conversations, but, but I, I remember that and I, and I, it's interesting, like when I, I've kind of felt like, oh, I I kind of can choose not to right, that's, do this. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and maybe but that just... I, I like it being a bit more, there being something, there being more purpose to the. Sure. You know, yeah. Maybe um, it just coincided. This, this uh, lockdown thing just happened at a, at a point in your life where that change was probably going to happen anyways. I think so. And I yeah. also think, well, I mean, it's funny because and I've talked about this a little bit before, but it's funny to think about it now again, is that I have been, a, like, because of the different ways I, I made money um, and just circulated locally in arts mm -hmm. scenes and stuff, I spent a lot of time out in these, you know, circles that overlap, you know, book launches and yeah. uh, prize galas and um, rock shows and, mm -hmm. and cabaret, uh, you know, uh, performances and plays and things. And I think that um, I did that for a long time and I did it in ways that overlapped with who, you know, I was an editor at a press. So every time I went, you know, there was a lot of professional obligation to go to certain industry things. And then, you which, know, that bleeds which, into your social life. Which press were you at? I mean, I was, I've yeah. done a number of yeah. uh, jobs like that, but the period before I quit everything, um, which yeah. was not, it was like a couple years before the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. I was the poetry editor at 
a great Canadian press called House of Anansi. Mm. And I was also the poetry editor, uh, kind of overlapping with that period at um, a Canadian magazine called The Walrus. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was working on a performance series with a local singer-songwriter so where we would put musicians and writers together. And so I was doing all of these things yeah. that involved other, you know, working with other artists. And, and it was uh, too much and I, I quit everything in order to figure out how to write this book that I finally got done. And, and I stopped going to anything. It was so mm. hard for me to finish that book. So I, yeah. you know, I, I couldn't, bring myself to go to the parties i could even my yeah. publishers parties like, uh, like oh, really? I, I remember <laughs> skipping the last like at least the last maybe the last two before my book came out holiday parties because i just thought like my book's taking too long i've missed deadline i can't go make small talk when mm -hmm. i'm not finished with this i don't know like now so you it have to, like you fine, to clear but, off yeah. everything off your table just to I, everything and to I, I i just for a long time i was saying uh, yeah, I'll have coffee. I can have coffee with you when I'm done with this book. And it was just this whole long uh, period of, of clearing everything and also hiding and also postponing any kind of reemergence. Now, I would love to say that that was because I was working so in yeah. such a focused <laughs> and deep way on the book. It was it was more that uh, it was so hard for me to write that, that, and a lot of that time I was just, you know, stuck in an anxiety loop, but I, I, I couldn't show up to anything for anyone else during that whole time. And I had built a whole career out of being somebody who showed up to everything. Sure. And so it was interesting to be in that state for so long. And then I honestly submitted the first full draft of my book, like days before everything shut down in mm. March of 2020. So, yeah. and and then there were all of these other things that still needed to happen that didn't happen. Wow, that's a really normally. That's an incredibly know? quick turnaround. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I just didn't. So I never reemerged. So I had like in I had no. I mean, created, for the, I mean, for oh, the pu publication cycle. Right. Right. Oh, because, yeah. That's not how it's supposed to be. Like I was late, and yeah. I mean, honestly, I I would have loved a year yeah. of uh, editing it. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, crazy. I think I would have made quick. it tighter. Yeah. I think yeah. I would have. Um, I mean, that's not. You know, it's. I mean, I'm. I, I kept thinking I was going to finish, um, mm. really, like I always felt like I was about a month away, you know, for a few years, I felt like I was a month away from finishing it. No, yeah. My, I, my know. first book was published by university of Chicago press. And from the time I signed the contract to when it came out was like nearly two years. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess that's, that's not uncommon. You know? Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, well, and I had signed, uh, it was four years for me. Yeah. And I think like I was supposed to crank that out in a year. Um, yeah. And, you know, so, uh, and it was like also I was writing about something that was, I mean, this everything they, you know, that you're not supposed to do if you're writing about your own life is you're not supposed to write about something that's still happening, you know? Right. Uh, like I didn't have enough distance even from, I mean, in some ways, I found that very helpful because yeah. I was writing about uh, trauma as I was experiencing yeah. it. So there was something distancing about having a job to do yeah. uh, so that when I was 
visiting my mother at a nursing home, uh, I could, uh, instead of just feeling the pain of, of watching her suffer among mm -hmm. others who are suffering, I, I had, uh, you know, the job of, of writing down things I was hearing and paying attention to, to the details of the yeah. uh, peeling paint and, or the fact that there was no toilet um, paper in the bathroom and that, you know, like paying attention to the physical details and having, having somewhere to put that attention was good for me. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, it also made thinking, feeling confident about shaping it as a work of art. Yeah difficult because again like it's a lot easier to do that when you are you aren't in the middle of it you know you can't see what you're in the middle of and was that your first uh, attempt at a like a book length thing that wasn't a collection of poetry yeah it was yeah yeah that's my first published book of prose yeah. and how how did it come about you said it, it was like a four-year process how, how did it come about that you you got this contract or like how did you how did that happen? Um, um, well, you know, I've worked in publishing in um, Canada for a long time, and uh, I went to a lot of things. So, I mean, it came out yeah. of that activity that I then ran away from. Uh, you know, yeah. I was familiar with, uh, you know, the editor that I ended up working with, who was the um, publisher of Knopf. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I knew her from... We hadn't worked closely together, but she, you know, we had interacted over the years multiple times she was conscious of my work and um had been supportive and i liked her mm -hmm. and you know i'm very <laughs> driven by you know i always do things in a very kind of uh illogical way like this mm -hmm. so i didn't i you know thinking back there <laughs> what was the i might have done it differently but i yeah. i'm very relationship driven you know yeah. so i just thought like Okay, well, uh, I I kind of dropped that I was working on nonfiction uh, mm -hmm. at a at a someone else's book launch when mm -hmm. I saw her and sure. we were making small talk at a party and she showed interest and said if you know oh, well if that you know goes anywhere you should send me you know reach out yeah Maybe we'll have coffee or lunch or something and so I knew that she was open to hearing from me and you know so then one I did get a little bit of traction i reached out and it just grew from there so i didn't um i didn't get something down you know approach an agent have them shop it around you know i mm -hmm. just went to a person yeah. you know and uh yeah and you know like there were there were things that i mean that's just how i how i've everything that i've done well, yeah. tends to, no, to that, work that's how everything actually works i mean that's why this show is called who you know <laughs> right because right. that's that's that was a like a later in life lesson that i i kept fighting and not like that this is how the whole world works it's, it is it is and, and i think the thing about networking though if i can break <laughs> in is that's it, like it's so interesting because i remember trying to i, I say this to my students mm -hmm. um you know i teach creative writing at Toronto Metropolitan University, and I the particular course I teach mostly 
the English majors can't take it. So it's, it's mostly not students who are really serious about writing, but I always do like a class at the end where anybody who wants to talk about publishing and that sort of mm -hmm. stuff, um, or arts life in general. And, you know, I always say that, um, every job I got, every opportunity I got, all of these things grew out of relationships that I had, but those relationships were not transactional. Yeah. So if you walk into a room, um, I mean, everyone can tell when someone is there to make important connections, you yes. know, and uh, that doesn't work. You can't, you, I, I, it all grew out of um, me just being genuinely excited and interested in things mm -hmm. yeah. and and then um paying attention getting closer to the things i was interested in and so that um that opened that always opened doors for me but um but it was my i think my enthusiasm and um and presence and and all of that 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 made it uh something that I whatever worked. I mean, I I did. I never was thinking I'm networking. You know. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Right, but it is who you know, and also it's it's who you know because there's um, that quality of of um, being challenged and inspired and uh, redesigned. You know, by what you you spend your time around. So it, you know, the more time you spend with people who excite you you with yeah. what they're doing and you can have really like deep conversations with that are going to help you solve that that like problem of how, how what am i looking at and what does it mean to me you know then the 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 better right but yeah. but so like i didn't even read i didn't know that was the name of it so tell me about it tell me about oh who like, you know yeah. Well, I mean, well, I, tell me about like why, like, so what it means for you to say that you finally stopped fighting that. Oh, because I, I guess when I was younger, I don't know when this happened a little while ago, I used to have, uh, I, I, I'm sure I still have many naive notions about how things are uh, appreciated or find an audience or whatever. Mm -hmm, like the cre mm -hmm. That whole like cream rises to the top idea or like that just on the merit, like, that your amazing genius will be recognized somehow mm -hmm. just just by doing it and it just isn't uh <laughs> no it's, well but it's, i mean and even that yeah. like well what is what do we mean when we yeah. say the top yeah. what yeah, do we mean yeah. when we say recognize all of like, it what but, do all of these things become but, really but the know? way things actually happen in the actual world is that somebody talk gets talking at a coffee shop or at a party or somewhere in an elevator to somebody and that that leads to a connection that leads to something. I mean, well, I'll give you an example. So, I mean, I was late to writing. I, I got into writing because I, I became a cab driver. Uh, it was my first cool. job out of art school. I did it for 12 years. And I started having to write about it because people would just unload their life stories on me, and I couldn't just do a drawing of it. Right. But by the time I... I'd been doing it for a long time. I had, I'd made zines. I had a blog, this, that, the other. I knew nothing about the publishing world, and people started saying that it should be a book. But it what it took, like a, a high school friend who later became famous, mentioning it in a magazine, my zine, mm -hmm. for for somebody at University of Chicago Press to reach out to me and suggest working with me. Like yeah. it was a completely charmed process, but if I hadn't been in high school with this guy that later became famous, it, that none of that would have happened. 
it wasn't. Well, it wouldn't have happened that way, but it might have happened another way, right? No, like, I guess it's. I also hit it. You know. Like, the, the time I was uh, writing a blog about being a cab driver was a time, was the short window where blogs were being turned into books. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but. Yeah, there's no way. I, I had no foot in the door at all. I knew nothing about the publishing industry. I didn't work with publishers. I'd never worked with an editor before I started working on that book, really. You know, right. I'd never. Well, I still. I've yeah. never taken a writing class. Uh, you know, I this this was not what I I thought would happen at all. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but but the publication of the book would wouldn't have happened without this guy mentioning it in a magazine. Yeah. But I mean, to me, like that also speaks so much of like your connection with this guy. Yeah. What made him famous is, is still kind of connected to who you are and what you like, your sensibility, your aesthetics, your way of seeing the world resonates in some way with him and yeah. has, and has probably informed some of his ideas, his, some of his ideas have informed your ideas. So yeah. the fact, and he saw something in that, that he's responding to enough that he's talking about it because he's excited about it. Yeah. So like, it's not just, I think we all have this idea because we're, we're told these stories in ways that kind of minimize the value of mm -hmm. these kinds of, like what they do tell us. Like when I'm, I'm, turned on to a different musician, band, painter, mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, I just, I've been chipping away on, I mean, this is the digital, on YouTube of this documentary uh, called Road Scholar, R-O-A-D. Mm -hmm. This is poet, um, Romanian poet, Andrei Cadrescu. Oh, yeah. He used to be on NPR all the time. He used to be on NPR. And he came up out of the same scene that my professor, um, uh, um, Ken Michalowski at University of Michigan came up out of and, you know, actually our textbook was a anthology of poems called Up Late that Andre Kodrescu was the editor mm. of. So, you know, um, he's very much of this particular thread of, of um, my education and, and my sense of what art means, all of that. And uh, I was, Bernadette Mayer, the poet Bernadette Mayer died last mm -hmm. week and I, so I was reading different things about her and I don't know, somewhere I stumbled on something, you know, I read an obituary and then clicked back, I think it was through art news or something, but clicked back onto something that she had, you know, she'd been asked like, what are your top 10, I don't even know what, like things you're looking at or something. Mm -hmm. um, but she mentioned this movie and I don't even know when that interview was from, but the movie's from the early 90s. And yeah. I found it and I've been watching it in that weird way that we do watch things sometimes that are long on YouTube where it's on, it's in an open window, I'm watching it, I'm stopping it, I'm doing some emails, I'm going, you know, I'm making dinner mm -hmm. and, you know, coming back to it. Um, but that, that, that sort of um, sense of of like interconnection, you know, and um, ways in which uh, like that that I don't know that that the both the intimacy of ways in which artists relationships inform each other, um, it just feels so present in it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it it just reminds me of how. Um, how it's actually truly meaningful, right? Like, and, and even just like I said, like I'm watching it because Bernadette Mayer at some point, point mm -hmm. said uh, it was one of the things that she recommended and I'm finding it 
extremely uh, like in line with a lot of the things I've been thinking about. You know, he goes to Detroit in the early 90s and he's talking uh, to the artist Tyree Guyton who did the Heidelberg Project. And I was just trying to explain that project to somebody uh, mm -hmm. recently. Uh, and, and it was so interesting to, to be able to see this interview that was conducted on this small independent film uh, bef be like before that that particular project even got more international attention. You know, it was mm. so early, he was still sort of being interviewed with his wife, I think. So anyway, just these moments, these ways in which people shout out other artists that they're into, um, yeah. I, I think are, is very meaningful. It's so, like, a, anyway, that's my whole thing. So what, I mean... When you were in, you know, the, the things I know about you are the things right. I learned from, from that book, The Alphabet for Joanna. Uh, uh -huh. So, obviously, you know, poetry has been with you a long, long time. Like, was that always sort of the dream, the childhood dream, or was there another childhood dream? You know, it's funny, the childhood dream. I mean, I, I haven't thought about this in a long time, but I remember having a conversation with someone in fifth grade Mm -hmm. um, about what we might be. And mm -hmm. I said something like, oh, I could see maybe being a, I don't even know how I knew what a psychologist did, but, mm. uh, cause I liked talking to people about things and yeah. I don't even remember who I was, would have been talking to at that age. Like I wasn't, I didn't really have any friends, but somehow <laughs> that was something that spoke to me. And I think I did, I weirdly do, um, still use talking to people is a big part of what I do. Um, but I think that uh, that even me saying that came out of me at the age of nine or 10, not understanding I could be a writer. You know, I've always wanted to be a writer. I always wanted to be uh, a poet, I guess. I mean, even now that I say that, that it's not a job, right? So yeah. it's, uh, but yeah, it was always the dream, but I don't think it, it took me a very long time to understand that it was something attainable. That you and could actually so, do, yeah. You know, I have a pretty working class background too, and, and there, I think very, very early, and I, you know, we were very, you know, economically precarious, a yeah. single mom, et cetera. So I really had absorbed this sense that you have to have a regular job that you have to do something uh you know in society that society values and that anything beyond that is is like a, a luxury or or just something that you pursue at the edges and it i think that um i remember early being praised by my family i think i found a mistake in a book like a published mm, book a typo I, yeah yeah typo and uh I got really excited and I said, oh, maybe you could be a proofreader when you grow up, right? And so, like, that to me is, like, so illustrative of how uh, how my family kind of, I think they were, they loved the arts. They told me mm -hmm. in every meaningful way that this was the most important thing, uh, you know, to do on the planet was to, to like, write poems or songs or paint things or but yeah. you know that art was so um was sort of you know it was this cl close to a religion right is uh, sure. like in terms of being told what was meaningful what was valuable what was important but 
that linking it to a way of professionalizing it mm -hmm. was just outside their their experience completely. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, it it took me a, a, quite a long time to 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 link them, and I think that that's also probably part of the fact that I'm a little resistant to or uncomfortable around thinking about how what kind of artist do um you know i always want to say what kind of artist do i want to be and of course yeah. like the answer is like you can only be the artist that you are right but but for some reason i have it in my head that there's a choice that i need to make that i could i could go one way or the other and you know i mean part of that is i i am interested in uh, underground culture and I'm also interested in things that have a broader reach so I do have the choice of when I sit down am I going to try to write something you know that sense of scale like I even writing that memoir was very scary for me because of the fact that I recognized that people read memoirs <laughs> <laughs> and so that oh, was... unlike the poetry books you, you thought that the, there might be actually some people reading it <laughs> yeah well and then it suddenly you know and as much as i've spent all of this time around publishing and in, mm. in publishing i was spending all of that time in the you know little poetry corner which doesn't make anybody any money so it's 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 irrelevant things like even paying attention to one's contract it's like well who doesn't matter really like what your contract yeah. says because you know you're there just isn't um you're just not gonna sell yeah. so many copies that that it's gonna you know i mean of course everyone should look at contracts but you know what i'm what i mean is of course. That, that it's so outside those considerations and i think i started questioning uh, while I was working on it, I had to kind of also look at my motivation for, you know, what, I, why did I want to write poetry in the first place? And I think that there is no question that from a very, very early age, uh, you know, my, my grandmother quoted Dorothy Parker around the house. My mm. mother, um, gave me a folder of poems that you know post beat poems so yeah you grew up and i mean it was in the, in the environment it was in all the, the environment time, in the air yeah. i lo and i loved i latched on to it you know i also um ha had um uh like the texture of language was something that i really love i remember reading the lyrics in that folder my mother gave me it was like mm -hmm. almost 12 it was like 11 i turned 12 a month later and i'd carry that around and it, it had both poems by uh like some beat writer and Ferlinghetti and people mm -hmm. like that and then it also had uh song lyrics but it's from this uh, anthology that very 1972 uh, post-hippie anthology called uh, from beowulf to beatles so it was mm. you know like i think intended for young people to get them like into both dylan's you know yeah <laughs> Dylan right and both so but it, but i read uh the lyrics to suzanne by um, Leonard Cohen. Oh, and you know, I grew up in the Detroit suburbs. I didn't yeah. know what I'd never heard that song. It didn't play on the radio, but I was obsessed with it. I read it over and over and over again. There yeah. was something there, and that was it. Was very per, like some very personal. I did an oral report on Ferlinghetti yeah. in eighth grade. So there was something that I definitely um, and I'm wired into something that exists there that um but but again like it's not like i thought and then i'll grow up and i'll publish my own books that yeah. i just somehow didn't make that that um 
that leap for a very long time. And I think that, uh, yeah, I just didn't see it. I just didn't see how, how it would happen. It hey, seemed very just far. Before I forget, yeah, me, me and my first serious girlfriend, you know, stayed a night at the Chelsea Hotel because of, right, that, because right. of that Leonard Cohen song, like a, a million yep. other dumb yep. kids, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I mean, it's beautiful, I think. And, well, you know, I was like the beautiful losers, right? Like, I think um, and it's been very funny because living in Canada, I mean, I, I whatever, I met him for two seconds yeah. at a party thing. But, you know, I got to see him perform a, a number of times. And mm. after he died, because I was a poet who had also the new people who worked at the CBC, but or here mm -hmm. and there. And that also people associate with music, uh, you know, because I'm married to a musician and mm -hmm. I've worked with a lot of musicians. And so uh, I got invited multiple times to speak, you know, to I, you know, did this little shtick where I, you know, tell the little story about mm -hmm. being in love with this song before yeah. I ever heard it and then talked about what's happening, like, you know, in terms of at the language level, the choices he's making, uh, why it has a certain texture, even without the sound, to, yeah. like without the melody. And then I would read it and, you know, um, that's been really, that was really lovely to have that, um, that kind of full circle feeling of this um, artist who really did imprint my brain with mm -hmm. a certain kind of sound. Um, you know, be an artist that, that later I got to talk about, um, you know, to, to people. It was really cool. But yeah, I think, I think like that sense of I, it was what I always wanted to do, but then I, I, I didn't really believe I could do it. And then, and then after a while you start to realize like, oh, I'm doing that thing that I always wanted to do. And, uh, but when I started working on the memoir, there was a part of me that also questioned, um, so again, it was this thing where I thought, like, well, what voice, what tone, how am I speaking? And I, and I think because I have a, a fairly adaptive way of being among people in the world as a survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. um, as a writer, I can, um, I can write through multiple voices. And I, I found that very daunting that task of well which Damien is telling the story like who am I talking to and how much uh you know what am I what am, you know what parts of me am I bringing forward what parts of me am I dialing down and and I think that of course, it's the same what kind of artist do I want to be like you can only be who you are um but it it was interesting because while I tried to figure that out it I started to question whether part of my attraction to writing poems was that it was a place in which you can hide in the mm. writing, um, certainly the way I wrote poems. Mm. Uh, you can hide in the writing in a way that obviously is not possible in the writing of a prose memoir. And I, I you know, I think there is something about audiences of different, of larger scales that I found intimidating and, and frankly, like unsafe, like in ways that are, uh, that I have to continually kind of, I'm still trying to work through this because I don't, um, you know, I think it's, um, I, it's not just, I think it, it's limiting or whatever. Yeah. I think that it's, um, 
delusional too. Like I think that, yeah. I mean, I've had people project um, things onto me. I've, you know, I've had to deal with um, well, like being they, they, seen they, or, or, yeah. or seen inaccurately or having just like a, what, what feels like a, um, like a very uncomfortable asymmetrical Because they read exchange. your book and they think they know you. Yeah, yeah, or or even I mean honestly, it it like I don't want to I want to like answer this question accurately without um, <laughs> I, clearly identifying anybody, but yeah. like just being someone that people see in the world, you who, know, honestly, who cares? like, no, who like cares? it doesn't nobody's matter. Listening. Nobody's <laughs> listening. So so like teaching a, a writing workshop to like six people, and then mm -hmm. like if somebody, you know, and, and realizing how of course we have no control over these things. We have no control over how people see us. We have no control no. over what people um, see when they when they do look at us, and or or how they're going to respond and I think this illusion that that's something that can be controlled by 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 making work in a way that it's circulating on a smaller scale or you know it just called into it just was interesting for me because I thought oh I've I mean a lot of it is about my my taste and what I like and I mm -hmm. like things that aren't um uh, you know are a little a, a little harder to find personally mm -hmm. sure. but you know but also you know there's there's a story attached to that aesthetic that I don't completely trust anymore uh, in terms of not just that I feel like oh maybe part of writing these impenetrable poems was I didn't really want anyone to be able to like see me mm. clearly um, or I could kind of you know hide behind different masks and move around and say something that but, I mean you know did you do, do you think or do you think you used to like want to be secretly want to be seen but like not like <laughs> yeah oh I mean I don't even think okay. secretly like I think I'm both even, in yeah. me like all of us probably and for me I think that and I, I and I see so many I mean we're talking about brilliant people cream mm. rising to the top so there's different things that make that I think contribute to, um, and again, even using this world, what do we mean when we say successful artists? But like, let's say, um, you know, legibly successful and, mm -hmm. you know, financially sure. comfortable, whatever, however you want to define it, it could be smaller, larger in scale, but like that, there's something, there's a skill to performing whatever art practice it is that someone performs or practices perform feels like the wrong verb mm -hmm. but um but there's like a completely other skill set that goes with managing other people's attention yeah right so like being a star mm -hmm. is a separate skill set than being an incredible songwriter yeah it's a separate skill set than being um you know a brilliant writer or you know etc etc so there is an you you know and like my husband is like a very down-to-earth like not needy guy in the room mm -hmm. um i has said more than once he's like nobody gets in a band um because they don't have an ego you know mm -hmm. like everybody feels on some level like they should be on that stage you know yeah um and that i think there is some um that that and i think like the the artists I've seen so many friends of mine who are really talented and I, I know this personally, I've gone through these waves, mm -hmm. you know, that sense of like the, the self-doubt, the vulnerability, 
the the wanting yeah. outside approval, the resenting that desire for outside approval, the you know needing sure. like it's all the time. I have these conversations with people where you see that um, how much and of course like some of it sometimes it's a moment in a career where that gets really inflamed and uncomfortable and and difficult mm -hmm. and and sometimes it's the reason people don't have a career you know yeah. is because it's just too loaded or too difficult to push through that conflict uh, um that that like split between wanting to be seen and not wanting to be seen between mm -hmm. the desire to be have your value reflected back to you in some way to see people receiving something that you are releasing in one form or another seeing it be received and uh you know appreciated and then of course like now this has devolved into the dopamine hit of like how many how many likes yeah an image that I posted got on social media. So it's, it is, it's, and it's, of course, then it's a very normal thing to then um, rebel against that instinct of like, we want approval yeah. and we don't want approval. And then also recognizing how a completely um, fragile that approval is and, and how so much, I think the, when I, when I think I'm on solid ground in terms of thinking like, okay, what is the art that I really care about and the kind of practice that I, that I'm, I would want as a model. Mm -hmm. It's, it's one that is always bringing the attention back to looking at the world, thinking carefully, uh, you know, returning to what you see, um, being deeply engaged in the process. And um, and staying, you know, being able to still look around and and take in information from the world, but but being um, like the practice really growing out of a deep engagement with the actual practice. And I think that it's so easy to get knocked out of it for all kinds of reasons. And I think that um, that one of the big ones is is when people and i'm lucky because i had so many friends who were musicians and i spent mm -hmm. a lot of time in chicago working you know i also worked as an editor for drag city a million years yeah. ago so like you know i i um i have watched people have all and and you know even just working with writers over the years like i've i've watched people have these peaks mm -hmm. and valleys in their career i've seen how um it appears that someone has arrived and that their their um their power in a certain sphere is uh you know all lit up and mm -hmm. and everybody wants to get closer and yep. um it looks like love to sometimes to people mm. and then but then how quickly that just dis dissipates or it shifts. It, al and, it also you know. changes them. Like if you know a person, of course. like before they got their hit record or whatever it is, and then after, it turns them, I mean, in my experience, some of them at least, they start thinking that everybody who's talking to them wants something from them. Yeah, well, it's like being rich, yeah. right? Yeah. Like rich people are right. like, oh, you just want my money. <laughs> like, yeah. the, I, and also it is strange, and I felt it, I mean, I had a friend become... 
quite famous mm-hmm. uh, a long time ago. Yeah. And um, I remember having, talking to him on the phone, like he, you know, suddenly he was on TV. And um, and we weren't living in the same city anymore, but we were, you know, still, yeah. you know, connecting here and there. And we were talking on the phone and I could hear it. I was being weird. Yeah. I, I, and I thought, oh, I've always assumed that when people got, uh, you know, whatever, famous or, or, you know, like kind of catapulted into another sort of scene that it feels very, you know, different, mm-hmm. um, that when they lost friends, it was because they cut them out or they didn't yeah. care to, to yeah. maintain the ties with their past. And I was like, oh, no, it's the, it's the people get weird. You know, yeah. I'm being weird. I'm, I'm, um, I'm second guessing whether we're really good friends. I'm having this yeah. whole inner neurotic debate over whether I'm trying to maintain this now because there's, you know, and, and, and like, so it's not just that they feel like people want something from them, I think. And, and it's a, yeah, it's a devil. It's a devil's bargain all the way around. All the way around. It yeah. complicates things. Yeah. And I think that, um, and it's, and how can that not? change the way you move through the world. I mean, it, it just does. And I think that, um, but the sense of engagement and depth of engagement is like, I'm always more interested in, uh, in staying close to, I mean, I think there's, when, when people in scenes, like, especially like music, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, I mean, that's one of the things we share is mm-hmm. this like friends with musicians and, you know, coming out of, for me, that, like, 90s Chicago indie um, post-punk mm-hmm. sensibility of, of, and way of framing all of this, ambition, yeah. um, sure. what's, you know, what what truly uh, earns respect and what's cachet, all of these things. And I think that um, I've always been the most comfortable being somewhere where I'm enjoying something and all the, the people around me are also enjoying it in this way where there's like a, a kind of a depth of engagement mm. that naturally dissipates the larger the size of the audience. Like that's sure. just, and that it doesn't mean, you know, and then we get into this like, well, you know, the minute they, yeah. this band's too big for me to be get behind anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, but there is a reality to the fact that I remember that feeling of like, oh, now there's these like waves of people who are here because, um, you know, that's where, that, and actually working at a, um, as a journalist, as an arts journalist, mm-hmm. at a at a weekly back when before the internet was yeah. where everybody, you know, received their instruction on mm-hmm. what they what they <laughs> should be doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I had I had actually never been somebody who's. I mean, I would read like some of the comics and maybe the horoscope, but like I would look at the weeklies. But I I was um, fortunate enough, and also like I said, I, everything for me is through relationships. So. I found myself in circumstances where I was surrounded by people I wanted to be closer to and I knew what was happening because I was standing next to them and I wasn't yeah. looking to to um, to an outside voice telling me what to think about a record or a movie or, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it was just very direct for me. And so it was very strange to then end up working in that kind of an office because I wasn't somebody who paid a lot of attention, frankly, yeah. to to that way of framing a local art scene. But I was also coming, this is like 
when I'd moved to Toronto, I didn't know the scene in Toronto. I didn't, yeah. I mean, I had what year a few did you connections. Move? What year I moved did you here move? in 2000 and September, 2002. Okay. And I got that job the following summer and it was amazing. And I, I it was a great way to be introduced to uh, the arts communities and to um, have like uh, an education on how things like this function. And it was very, interesting to listen to the other editors like the music editor mm -hmm. and the film editors talk the way they would talk about bands was so different than the way that i thought about yeah. music and it was so and that sense of of i i recognize i was like oh there's it's like um there's this antenna you put up mm -hmm. and you really can live there you can be yeah. somebody who lives in that space of following the the like where the attention mm. is shifting and and predicting it and oh, okay. you know this is the same in fashion and anything like where um if you if you tune into that like okay mm -hmm. like what what's going to be the next and of course people are wrong all the time but that that place of kind of always looking for where things are bubbling up that that is collecting where all the yeah all the like excitement in this is where I want to be over here like oh every and then you know there's a lot of people who just um their whole lives their experience you know and these are people who are great consumers of the arts and this is a little bit connected to that earlier conversation about painting being a way that rich people mm. um you know have have hidden their money but that idea of of existing and interacting with art um production from that place of just riding that top wave uh -huh. of where energy is collecting. Oh, yeah, see, everybody wants to be over here. Oh, now, and, and if you're just skipping around on the surface like that, you miss like a whole other way of of being in the world that, you know. I totally. Uh, and I mean, I, I won't give up. This is like, this is a hill I'm still willing to die on is that, <laughs> is that I still prefer to see a band at the empty bottle to seeing a band at a giant theater. And I still oh, go. Yeah. I'm 52 fucking years old. You know, I'm still doing this. I'm going I'm going there tomorrow or the yeah. day after. You know, that's that's the scale the size and kind of type of venue and where mu to me music should be played that in like little jazz clubs, you know. No, I mean that's That's the scale. That's yeah. that, that's at the scale at which I can uh, well, that's that intimacy. I mean, yeah. I'm the same, and and yeah. I learned that when I lived, when I moved to Chicago and lived down the street from the Empty Bottle, and right. I didn't think I understood that clearly. Like, I wasn't someone in high school or university who had my musical taste kind of mapped out in that way mm. that most of my peers yeah. in Chicago had. Um, but there was something about that experience of going, living in a city, and going to see bands in my neighborhood in mm -hmm. small rooms where there wasn't this great divide and where I could be right inside it. And I think some of that, honestly, for me, comes from sitting next to my grandmother while she played piano. Mm. I think some of it is that way that I was molded as a kid is I love being right next to it, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and there's something about that proximity that feels um, very personally pleasurable for me but also i just think it's more interesting you can see it's just the fur the bigger the room gets yeah the the less interesting it is for me the the more diluted the experience becomes and yeah i, um, I really like them know. i really like the musicians to be human scale i, I like yeah. to be up close well the other thing for me is i draw 
at shows. So like right. I, I have my sketchbook and I need to be close enough that I can see them. Of course. Like with my own eyes. Uh, what, what year did you move to Chicago? Uh, 95. Oh, okay. All right. So January of 95. Um, and I had lived in England, like mm. in London for a year after I graduated from university of Michigan. Um, and then I went to Chicago. I had a friend who worked, you know, at reckless records who lived there, who, you know, I, I met most of the people I'm still friends with because of that friendship, you know, like we'd yeah. gone to high school together and, you know, he, uh, introduced, you know, I became friends with someone. I just, like the last time I was in Chicago was in the summer. I was staying yeah. with my friend who used to work at Reckless with my friend Brett. So, wow. you know, um, and then that, you know, me getting connected to uh, Drag City came through, you know, all of yeah. it. It's always through people. And I think that, um, yeah, that was a, that, I mean, I romanticize that I was there for about five and a half years. I romanticize mm -hmm. that part of my life maybe a bit. You do? I think I do. I think because... Uh, you know, it's a combination of my, the age that I was at. I think I was, I, I, I came into myself in a way that I hadn't before. Mm -hmm. And then when I left, I think I had underestimated quite how precious that particular, um, I mean, I don't, group of people that I, yeah. that I, I was, um, connected to had like just like the and the and the you know the art the level of art both like the intimacy the art the mm -hmm. kind of groundedness of it like it was really um in that moment in time uh and, and also my age and all of these other things and then you know when I moved I didn't but I mean I didn't publish work there I didn't um I didn't I needed to leave I think in order to uh, even be willing to look, um, you know, to take certain risks to, yeah. to look dumb. I, I think I also felt really like, oh, I don't want any of these people who have weirdly convinced I'm, I'm like, <laughs> you know, smart enough to be yeah. sitting here or whatever. Like, well, how, well, I don't know why I'm, I'm here, but I don't want to reveal myself to be, um, you know, uh, like the hack that I probably, you know, or whatever. I just didn't want to, I, I didn't want to um, lose anything that, I mean, of course it would have been fine, but I just, you know, I, I left and, and I never felt a part of something mm. in the way that I felt a part of that moment in time, that group of people oh, and the, okay. the layers of it and the, the reach of it. And I also think that um just being around art of that level all the time i think i took it again a little bit for granted like i knew it was special but like mm. i think that there was something um in, you know it's i've missed it i've since you know i think that there's something i mean it was it was special i, I do i think yeah. it was special and i think that it, you know it, it but it's also like easy i think it's normal to think that that time in your life where things are just starting to open up and come together at the same time that that is you know that's always going to be a precious moment in one's life um but i, I also was freakishly lucky i yeah. mean i got to do things and um be places that uh 
you know, I think um, I can easily name drop about sure. now, you know, yeah. like it's there. Yep. They were special places. There are places that people, you know, there were there were things I got to see and do up close that, um, you know, I, I aren't just special to me. Yeah. You know? I... Um, <laughs> so I think that I'm also, uh, you know, I I appreciate that a lot now, you know. Yeah, I've told this story a bunch of times, but in, you know, around, like around the year 2000, I was working at Bite Cafe next mm -hmm. to the Empty Bottle. And yeah, I, yeah, I know Bite. So I, I got to the, go to the bottle. It was like the living room. I could go to any show. Mm -hmm. And the White Stripes played a bunch of shows there. Yeah, I went to one of those shows. Yeah, I went in there for 10 minutes and was annoyed that I didn't understand why the guy was trying to sing like Robert Plant, and I left. Yeah, like after I, 15 minutes, and within a year, that band was on like the cover of Rolling Stone. I, it's so yeah. funny. I have a very similar memory of that show, or one of those shows. I I remember yeah. going because I went with Dan Koretsky, who's a really good friend yeah. of mine. Sure. And someone told him, you know, he went. He knew why he was there, right? Sure. He was there because he knew something was happening with mm -hmm. that band, and he was curious, and it was yeah. to to see what this thing is that. And it wasn't because he was like excited about it necessarily. Mm -hmm. It was just like, a, you know, part. It was his business to go look yeah. at this, and he asked me if I wanted to come, and I did. And I I remember him asking me what I thought, and I was like. Eh, you know, it's interesting, whatever. Like, there was nothing, what I've said when I've told that story, is there was absolutely nothing in that moment for me mm -hmm. that differentiated that show from any number of other bands I saw that I didn't hate and yeah. also didn't feel compelled to follow up on. You yeah. know, that I didn't, there was no part of me that thought when I left that show that I had seen a band that, as you said, like, I remember like, yeah, what was it a year or two later? That very, they, you know, very quickly. Very yeah. soon. Like within a couple yeah. of years, they were yeah. like hosting the MTV music awards and were the yeah. biggest band in the world. And like, I didn't see that there. Um, and, and I think that's interesting too. Like what that speaks to me also of that sense of scale and that, um, that other skill of being able you know, some bands are better at communicating yeah. to thousands of people than they are com at communicating to dozens of people. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we would have we would have been at a bunch of the same shows, and definitely. Yeah. If you'd gone to bite, I probably took your food order at some point. You know, like that yeah, wouldn't I, be a surprise. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely. I mean, I I I didn't. I wasn't one of those people who. Um, went every weekend you mm -hmm. know but i would sometimes go with my friends who went every weekend <laughs> well yeah see yeah. i mean like you can retroactively it's funny how you know things work when you get to know people later better but you know our mutual friend kelly hogan uh -huh. w was there a lot of weekends you know with her then boyfriend well yeah because Gillington was working the door there right um at the bottle still or uh, that's what he did when i met him yeah i remember he was I don't like know the night was... world's nicest giant doorman so you know? they, they were regulars at brunch you know right and yeah. for a while you know before kelly and i knew each other better i was like bite guy to her you know like of I was course, like a, right. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's how it works yeah i remember i definitely i remember going with Chris Mann, like my friend Chris, mm -hmm. uh, who went there a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and I remember, 
you know, yeah, I definitely went multiple times. And it was definitely also a place where we would sometimes get dinner, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. before a show because it yeah. was convenient, obviously. Um, and, yeah, I always lived – I lived in – like in five years, I lived in four different apartments. Mm-hmm. And they were all – uh, like in that radius between, you know, my first apartment was west of Western by mm-hmm. a block, which was shocking at the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, on, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on the name, but very close, very close yeah. to well, um, yeah, like Empty Bottle, like like where, like a block, a block off of uh, uh, Chicago Avenue. You know, I was always taking the yeah. Chicago Avenue bus. Like I was. You know, between Damon and Western, sure. um, Superior, and, uh, yeah, like, um, oh, I can't remember, Walton. It was Walton mm-hmm. that I lived on. But, yep. yeah, it was that, that whole little circle around there. And um, Yep, the Ukrainian Village, it. Wicker Park, uh, yeah. Humboldt Park. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you did you ever uh, order food delivered from Ty Lagoon? No, but that sounds very familiar. Like someone else still there. It's on North Avenue near Western. Well, I I was a delivery driver there for three years before I worked at Byte. But also connected with all those music people. Like you know, we had like all the tortoise people would go there. Like there's there's a recording studio right around the corner. Like I delivered soup to uh, Billy Bragg because he was recording that Mermaid Avenue album. Yeah, yeah, like Wilco. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could go through, like, my whole thing was, like, yeah. I was, like, an empty bottle person because it was close to me. Yeah. And I and then I became, when um, I became, like, my, uh, Heather Winna and I became best friends, and she was really close to, and did, like, uh, uh, like a fundraiser for Sue Miller and, and mm. Julia. Yeah. Um, when uh, the Lounge Axe was when getting, lounge, yeah. you know, um into all kinds of legal issues around like noise complaints. And mm. uh, so then I started going to lounge acts all the time. And remember that was like a very like sharks, sharks kind of jets sort of thing. Like, <laughs> like there was a little rivalry there. Um, and, well, he, I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, Empty <laughs> Bottle was open it, pretty specifically to kill lounge acts. I know, yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, it was deeper than a rivalry. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and then it was like, oh, I wish, uh, the place that I I want to be at was the one that was two blocks from my house and not sure, yeah. like in this weird neighborhood I've got to like, you know, and that was like, I mean, the kind of um, cheerful poverty of that time in my life too, you know, mm-hmm. just like yeah. it being such a um, difficult thing just to, to, to and in Chicago and being so, I mean, I didn't have a car, like, yeah. you know, just getting around, um, you know, how much I paid for drinks. Like, these were all, like, really major concerns. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm I, sure we would go down the list of all the people we overlap with. But sure. I think, yeah, that time was really special to me. And I've been wanting to write about it, and I've tried mm. to write about it, and I will write about it. But, again, this question of, like, in what capacity? Like, am I yeah. going to write a bunch of essays about, um, you know, I edited john fahey's stories for oh, okay. drag city yeah. that was like what i did for them yeah. first and how dan and i became friends and that was such a weird project and i didn't know what i was doing and mm-hmm. i was really good at part of it um yeah i was good at dealing with john um oh yeah he was at, still alive then right he was still yeah. alive yeah. and i was 
I actually think I did a good job of like organizing the material. I mean, it was just like a box of stained paper. Um, yeah. There's multiple versions and I would ask him like, well, there's different, you know, this story doesn't end. And he'd be like, well, can you yeah. just finish it? And I'm like, no, mm -hmm. I can't. And, you know, he was um, uh, complicated. And part of the yeah. reason I got that job was because... Um, you know, someone recommended, you know, again, friends, someone recommended. But you got along Dan. with him, which is more than a, well, a lot of other people did. But <laughs> And that was, that was intentionally, intentionally, Dan intentionally said, I think, um, you know, we need a woman to work on this. Yeah. Because he's very confrontational that. with men. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, but he also, <laughs> like, I could, like, reading those stories, he had this repeated image of this young um sort of freckled auburn-haired blue-eyed pale-skinned feminine ideal and i was like he does not need to know what i look like like i was 20 yeah. something i looked 16 i had yeah. freckles i was pale i had blue eyes i had to have, you know i was like i don't want him like i i oh, so you never dealt with him in person I, I think once i met him in person okay. he was always on the phone he was in yeah. eugene oregon i was in Chicago. you know there was so no he budget. was living in like a hotel or something yeah or? he was living yeah. in a yeah like a rooming house i think um and uh yeah and it was you know i mean that was a really cool experience but yeah. um but it was also um i mean we were sort of talking about this earlier but like you know it was I learned a lot by doing it. I made a lot of mistakes that I Yeah, but those are like the it, crucial, but... like those are the formative experience. Those are the things you got to have in order to get to a point where you write a memoir about your mother's dementia. I like, guess so, yeah. It doesn't That's happen. So one doesn't happen without the other, I think. Well, and I think that, um, <laughs> I think that this thing of, of like, I, I think I've always been fascinated by, uh, by how power, like, and I'm using this word very uh, kind of distinctly, but but that 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 ways way in which uh, you know it's so um, in the eye of I mean you know like it was there are still people there are certain types of guys mm -hmm. who and it's almost always guys who. Sure. Um, are very impressed when they realize I'm that person who mm -hmm. edited that book. You know, I mean, it's sure. like it's like that book still sells. It's not, um, you know, it's not selling at a mass level. It's yeah. not. There's not a huge number of people who've read that book. Obviously, well, there's not a the huge number of people who know who John. Fahey there's is. not a huge number <laughs> yeah. of people who know who John. But the Fahey ones that is. do are obsessive. They just like it becomes. And it's that level of engagement, religion. right? Yeah, I just yeah. always think it's more interesting, and I think that. Um, but it's funny, like I've been like, you know, I can certainly dine out on that in certain sure, yeah, very specific spaces. Yeah. Uh, but it's, um, I think that that's something that I, I found very interesting was like um, in Chicago at that time too, was how um, uniquely idiosyncratic the way power moved through those scenes. And of course there were hierarchies, but those hierarchies were radically different based on who you were talking to and there was and i've i found that very um comfortable like i liked that mm -hmm. um you know that for some people it was i mean of course everyone i mean everyone 
still responded to fame. Everyone mm -hmm. still paid attention to it. But there was also this edge of it being douchey and yeah. it being uncool. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily that being ambitious itself was uncool, like in terms yeah. of your work, right? But in terms of where you received um, your, uh, the measurement of whether or not your work was important. And that I found, I've always, I think I was very influenced by being a young person in that space. And I yeah. think it was, it meant, it made sense to me. I was way more interested in being somewhere where, how, that it, how slippery the, the ways in which people's, um, you know, cultural or, or like social power was defined. I, I, there was something, um, kind of exciting to me about, uh, it, it almost, and in a kind of almost way, it almost feels, you know, it's, it can feel elitist too, because mm -hmm. it's, it's about there being a kind of, you know, are you initiated? Do you know sure. who the most interesting person in this room is? Cause it's not the guy from urge overkill or whatever. Right. <laughs> like, but then everybody's still going to talk about it if he went to the bar. Right. Like there's, um, that I, and so I, and I, I thought that that contradiction was interesting. Like when, um. I mean, whatever. I, I'm not going to talk to you for four hours. It'd just be really easy. Oh, but, you can. <laughs> um, well, the, um, there's a. Uh, so, well, I also was um, like of the weird thing. I mean, so like I did a lot of weird things there. Like I did, like yeah. I was an editor um, on this book. I didn't know how to do. I, I was a junior editor at uh, Poetry Magazine before mm -hmm. they got the two hundred yeah. million dollars. Before the and big. So, the, before yeah. the big money. So that was a very different thing. And you know, I had these different little. Um, I guess ways of defining who I was in that space, and then uh, I was um, whatever. I ended up singing, not singing, being part of a cheerleading chorus on a smog record. But it was mm -hmm. not. Was it? I think it was still smog. It was still smog. It wasn't Ocean. Bill Callahan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it was one of the last ones. I think it was smog in parentheses, maybe. Mm. Um. And then there was, uh, you know, I, I have a line in High Fidelity. And, like, that yeah. movie was really interesting because that was such a meta experience of watching yes. uh, all uh, of these yeah. people who weren't supposed to care about... Yeah, like Al Johnson as the yeah. the customer in the record store. And well, and I got stuff. a line in the movie because mm. Al Johnson's... Uh, Al Johnson was supposed to deliver the line I end up delivering, and mm. Al got written into. So they wrote a scene for somebody who either said no or had yeah. a conflict. So then Al was given that scene, yeah. and then that line was up for grabs, and I was yeah. an extra that day. Yeah. And you know, um, you know, I'm friends with the screenwriter DVD, and so so like uh -huh. whatever, like we were all friends. So he's yeah. like, you know, um, it was all in the moment but but that whole experience was fascinating because it was um everyone got caught up in it and yeah it was uh it was so, and that was towards the end of my my time living there so you, Do you know remember that scene where uh he imagine uh imagines his wife having sex with tim robbins uh huh. Uh, that scene was shot in a friend of mine's house. They like right. rent, rented the apartment. It was across the street from Jenks 
co- cafe. Oh yeah, Jinx. Do you remember Jinx? I, thought, I now I do. Kind yeah, of. I mean, I have I have a whole series of paintings there. I was I was like practically lived there, but uh, yeah, it's funny to see that movie and all the people. Uh, I mean, I everybody I knew yeah. was yeah. like, yeah. you know, there was something. There was like, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and and I remember when I was there, the, almost. So I'm in the record store scene, you know. Mm. Um, or whatever one of them but well, yeah, like the, when it's Saturday and there's a lot of people there yeah and uh, it was really funny because almost everybody was in that scene was you know people who worked at Reckless knew someone at Reckless you know that was yeah, just sure. still you know people who were in a band whatever and um, so we all knew each other um, and then there were a small handful of of like professional extras Mm-hmm. who were there because they were extras whenever they could be an extra. Sure. And they were very confused by the whole situation. Cause, and they were watching me and when I was saying like, sometimes I really liked being in a, you know, like what I loved about parties sometimes or going to shows or circulating. There was a time when like that was probably how I performed, right? Mm-hmm. Was, sure. you know, floating around, talking to people, whatever. Uh, and... I sat down and one of the like extras who didn't wasn't actually part of the that group of people who all went to shows um, were like how how come you know everybody here and I was like oh well we, well, yeah. we like all know we are. and they're like no you are like talking to yeah. everybody here and and I and I think that 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 um, I had I, like that was like a I think about that sometimes I mean like whatever that sounds a little bit like. Uh, like I don't know, it was just so popular, but like yeah. it wasn't that. It was just like I was so um, I I really felt so um, connected yeah. and interested and like invested in mm-hmm. having all of these kinds of um, conversations that I would only have in public spaces, you know. Um, mm. So I, I I loved moving around and talking to people at shows. I loved. Um, you know, seeing people in, in these different contexts where it's a group and um, mm. we're all here kind of for the same reason, but different reasons. But, you know, uh, but, but I, so I was, I was, um, you know, like everybody, like excited by uh, the fact that this movie was happening, but also was weirded out. You know, there was all these weird sure. things about it. Um, but it was it was interesting to see the ways in which it, um, like anything like that that comes in and um, everybody knew, you know, like, like you said, like there was like, you know, interiors where things were shot or, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's, um, you know, there's a, this songs playing in the background in this scene or like all of those little details that were, you know, and they put a lot of attention to it. Um, yeah. Weird things you like, know, you know, the rainbow club, but with the windows open and it's yeah. Liam Hayes playing on a piano. And yeah. Liam, Liam was my next door neighbor for years. You know, yeah. Like... <laughs> I, yeah. Liam, Liam was someone that I used to know. Pretty well. <laughs> I mean, I think, and I haven't seen in a million years, but I think, um, it was an interesting moment because it was, it did feel like this impossible collision of these different um, priorities. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of stuff was maintained and a lot of stuff was not, of course. Yeah. And, and I don't know, like, I think that um, that was, that was a moment of also, I think, 
kind of confronting that like idea of um, audience again. Like what, yeah. you know, what do you lose when you speak to more people? What do you gain by speaking to more people? Yeah. You know, um, and, and, and I think like even that moment, which I'm kind of embarrassed, like I was, you know, to bring up, but like that uh, person saying that to me, kind of mm -hmm. reflecting like the fact that I was buzzing around talking yeah. to everybody. That's what they're watching. It's not that I knew more people, but that I was talking to all of them and yeah. moving around and that like, um, that there, there is something I was very fed by that at mm -hmm. that time in my life. And I think that I, um, I needed that, like you said, to, um, to, to kind of figure out how to, how to do what I wanted to do, which wasn't totally clear to me yet. Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe it was, it's not that it was so unclear. I just, again, didn't know how I could do it. It was yeah. like somehow something else had to shift, but, but there was something, um, so important about that period but I do feel like there's a part of me that that does also have to pull myself out of those sorts of relationships with others mm -hmm. in order to actually make something that it comes out of me and not um it's not just light bouncing off you know not just like in a house of mirrors, you know, like looking yeah. at like, oh, who am I when I talk to this person? Who am I when I talk to, the, you know, what, what do they see in this space? What do they see in this space? Like, cause I think like also that's what I was doing a lot because mm -hmm. I was really interested in all of these divergent perspectives on the same room. Yeah. You know, everybody has a different thing they're mad about. Everybody, <laughs> everybody, there was all these camps. I thought that was yeah. so interesting. Like I didn't, sure. I mean, I was like, I worked at Drag City in this particular capacity and I did love that work and I got a lot out of that relationship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, you know, my friend Heather is married to Steve Albini. So like, mm -hmm. you know, that's adjacent, but it also touches other types of, you know, artists and scenes and you know like and uh, you know hanging out at lounge acts and like the way like I, I i remember being fascinated by the fact that um there were all of these different camps and mm -hmm. that you know everybody felt like okay well this band and that band and that band are the only people on earth who know what's happening yeah. and that are responding to it authentically and <laughs> everybody else is full of shit and that yeah. everybody felt like that about each other and there were all these little microcosms but then of course everybody would then come the other thing that I loved is like especially because Heather had like would do these fundraisers for um you know a friend who was dying of yeah. cancer and needed bone marrow surgery and um you know the ways in which and she particularly was particularly yeah, remarkable they're doing that like, the the santa yeah. one that's that's coming yeah up that's here. her yeah. i know i might yeah. come for that although oh really i've got a bit of a passport issue so we'll see oh okay um i, I just I might uh, be reading i might actually oh, cool because yeah, yeah i just I designed a i designed a t-shirt for constellation that should be appearing any second oh that's so great i mean it's beautiful yeah. what i mean it's amazing and she's still yeah um, and like that, um, her perspective shaped me so much, you know, mm. and she's someone who was not, um, you know, she's not an 
somebody who's recognized as an artist, she's not producing material, but yeah. the thinking and the way that she brought people together and, and, and particularly like all these people who most of the time were in separate rooms talking shit about each other, Sure. you know, but yeah. everybody would kind of, uh, you know, in this sort of disparate network would kind of come together to, um, to try to actually help others and, um, meaning in truly meaningful ways, not in this kind of like, vague sense but like i'm you know here's money you know yeah. in your hand yeah. uh, to to like solve the immediate problem that you know uh, of poverty like it's just so specifically direct and um i mean she's just so remarkable and so yeah i i do want to write about these things and mm -hmm. um but it is tricky like oh would i write an essay about um like a non-fiction essay about Fahey and about yeah. those shows and about these things or or like do I want to novelize it and then mm -hmm. turn it into this kind of other yeah, it's just endless right like I can go down all these and I can see them I'm like oh that would yeah. be fun oh that would be fun and it's I've, like, oh, I've reluctantly something in the last two books I've published have drifted into some sort of fiction mm -hmm. but it's only I never understood why anybody would write fiction because life real life is so much more interesting but yeah. you realize that you have to change names to protect the guilty. No, well, that's it. it. There's it, like a very, very, very specific reason that's all. people yeah. write fiction. That's yeah. the reason. That was very scary when I wrote my memoir. And, and you yeah. know, when I met people, like when I do literary as a poet, yeah. I would yeah. be like at something with at the nonfiction writers. I would be like, ugh, why would you do that? Like I never thought I'd write about my own life in a yeah. in a direct way. I thought it was an absurd thing to do. I just thought, why would you bring that kind of drama on mm -hmm. yourself like yeah of, I, of of like how you how you present other people's lives like yeah. that seems like obviously you're not it's impossible to not hurt people it's impossible uh, yeah, to not get it wrong i've definitely hurt know? people uh, from writing about them and you know by now yeah i have people that no longer speak to me because of things i wrote and but on the other hand uh, it's strange that anybody that would come into contact with me would not understand what they were in for. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like yeah. this, this is the price of engagement, you know, like that there is a, there's a chance if you make an impression on me that you're going to end up in some form being reflected back, you know, in a piece of writing or in some art that that's because that's how I engage with the world. Uh, that's that's what the antennae are always up in, and you know like the feelers are always so when you do that like what do you do you feel like the the need to do that comes through a need to make sense of it like how do you how do you i mean because i'm thinking about that for myself as well sure. like what what when you feel like um you know, when you're turning experience into material, for lack of a yeah. of a, another, you know, like less pointed way of putting it, yeah. like where is that impulse? Is it um, because that that's that moment that um, that conversation, mm -hmm. that thing that you witness, that behavior is something that you just you need to think through in in this other way no be what? because the things that because i'm you know I've, another kind of old-fashioned way of thinking about it like i definitely think of myself as like whatever a medium or a channel for for communicating things about the world 
And so it just it has to pass through me or bounce out of me, you know. It's not from me. My my job is to catch it, you know. Yeah. So that's the only reason that I can justify for sticking around is that that I can make a thing that people will look at or read and they'll see themselves or something about something they know. It's not about me. You know, it's not about me as a person. But, but is it, it's not necessarily for the person you're writing about either, right? No, no. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They're being used to make some sort of point or some, to make, to paint a picture of the world as, I, as accurately as I can with as little distortion as I can make, you know? I mean, inev just, yeah. inevitably, as it passes through the gears and the works, you know, it will be reshaped and changed. But I try my best to stay out of the way as much as possible. I mean, then that's why, like, I could never be what you were describing, like this buzzing, like, person yeah. to person. I'm the, I'm the person that would have never talked to you. You would yeah, have yeah, never yeah. talked to me because I'd be in the corner, like, looking down into my sketchbook. Yeah. But I'm yeah. listening and, and taking in everything, like, open all the time. And that's where the service industry jobs have been a perfect kind of vantage point and perch because if you're a bartender or, or a cab driver you're not really a person you're a delivery system for like either booze or to get people from one bar to another they don't notice you and that's the per perfect spot for me you know well and i think that's <laughs> such an interesting because uh, I, I i like i do feel like i have these two different modes and mm -hmm. i think one is um more um well certainly more grounded than the other like i think that that um that floating moving around uh, like connecting but but like moving away you know mm -hmm. um and yeah like there is a, a there is a relationship between mm -hmm. that activity and the way that i saw the music writers thinking about music right of it mm -hmm. just like kind of um scanning space for a charge or a, an yeah. experience or something but um and, and you know of course then i had like real friends i would talk to for hours but there was something um i don't i think that um that that ability to disappear yeah again i think it's that thing of being seen not being seen yeah. that ability to disappear so that you can actually observe and witness is really interesting um, yeah. as, but a it's... as a superpower. I, I remember Linda Berry talking when I took a class with her in New York in 2000, and she said, uh, no, I wish people told me that when you turn 40 as a woman, you become invisible. It's the mm. best. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I can just listen to anything. No one's looking at me. No one's talking to me. Everybody just doesn't, like, no one, like, I can... I feel like a spy, you mm -hmm. know, and I think there is something um, really powerful about being able to be in this space, um, any space, and observe and take in and reflect it and filter it through um, without that, yeah. um, that sense of accommodating the other person who's in, in your yeah. face, right, or, or adjusting. I think that um, I learned a lot by... By that, by by honing that skill of of um, talking to people all the time, and and I find people genuinely interesting, you mm -hmm. know. Um, but I also, um, you know, I don't I don't 
I don't believe in that as a real place anymore, you know, like I don't, um, that, 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 um, it's fine to visit, right? <laughs> it's fine uh, to wh visit wh that, which, which like that space you... of like moving, of like, uh, uh, kind of, the, 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 so you described the antenna. So to me, it's like that antenna that where it's like, oh, I want to, I want to kind of consume everything so much mm -hmm. that like I need to be, um, I want to get up close to it. I yeah. want to interact with it. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but, but then like it, that being so overstimulating that it's mm -hmm. like, it's, it's like, uh, and you know, it's funny. Like I think now social media kind of replaces that right sure that that sense of like next thing next thing next conversation next um but i i really do think it has it i think there's something about um it, to me i think this this tension between whether or not um people are looking you know that 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 as an artist whether or not you're you're um observing from a, a place of relative anonymity mm -hmm. as you know or whether well, you're observing yeah. from being in the in the feeling like you're like one of the things i do is like get right up inside what i think is happening with somebody and you know mm -hmm. there's something very uh i don't know that's part of it for me i think yeah um, even you know um but then i have to pull pull away or i can't um do yeah. anything with it. Yeah, it becomes it becomes a problem when you're dealing when you're making art out of your actual relationships. <laughs> yeah, that's well, we're getting it, quite it abstract, a, a but obviously that's what I did with my mother, and of I, course, it's funny. Of course, and it's funny because like when <laughs> I like my sister in law, um, I didn't see her for a few years. She lives in Singapore, and mm. um, so I saw her in person for the first time uh this like i don't know past summer and it we were you know it's a big group of family stuff and then at some point we were alone in a room and she said i've been dying to ask you this and i didn't yeah i had to ask you in person but in your book you know you wrote about this you know particular trauma of your mother's mm -hmm. um and she she told you not to write about it yeah and i was like uh-huh and <laughs> she's like and and you did and i yeah. was like uh-huh and then you know and and then she said uh well like how did you justify that to yourself yeah and i was like oh like you want me to explain to you like yeah. am i justifying it to you or am i justifying it to myself but it was a very interesting moment because i felt like um i felt like uh there's a certain idea that I think people who don't believe, I think there's two pieces. One, people who don't make art, right? Mm -hmm. Who don't. Sure. Um, and also I think to a certain degree, because this is someone who loves to read books, but like, I think there's this idea that, um, like I, I ultimately, I had to, right? So it's yeah. like, it's not, there's this sort of idea that like, uh, you know, it, it that there's a particular kind of narcissism mm -hmm. or lack of ethics yeah. or a sense of um, caring more about one's own career yeah. than um, the damage one might do to mm -hmm. other people um, that is governing the types of choices that artists make that um, involve 
uh, writing about other people, right? Mm -hmm. Or even their own lives, right? Yeah. I know this is someone who's judged me around that um, um, way in which I, I um, you know, the content of some of my work and sure. being, being personal or being maybe unfair. I don't know. Um, and yet I think, uh, to me, it's just such a lack of understanding of what art is and does and where it comes from and what it's for. I mean, and I think that, you know, yeah. I mean, I just, it's like when, um, it's like when people who like to read novels are, are completely obsessed with what is or isn't true right uh, quote unquote in a novel that's based yeah. on someone's life and they're they like that they think that's the most meaningful like well but what's the real like did that really happen the most Which boring part question really happened? The, it's the most, most boring, boring question yeah it's the most boring question and it also <laughs> it it's like it's so missing the point of yeah. what art does it's like this is a true thing that you're yes. holding if it's you know what i mean yeah. and that it's true in this shape and this is the shape in which it was able to be true and mm -hmm. what did or did not happen what the, what does that even mean like when you start to think about everybody's own versions of any event right and what their memory is and and how you know all of that is so slippery and unstable um but then like to bring in this idea that like the most that there's a true story that um, is like where all of the action is and that if mm -hmm. you can, you know, and that that's going to be the thing that's going to be the key to what? Like, no, it isn't. Like, it doesn't matter. I mean, of course, like sometimes it's like, it's sort of interesting like i guess in it's the interesting way that, like, but it's an add-on gossip is interesting <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, but it has nothing to do with the art like it's not you know it's like oh did yeah. you know did they have sex but like you know like it's interesting in the way that like knowing things about people is interesting but like to, to confuse that with like what um yeah does it matter like if if like what's her name finally revealed who you're so vain is actually about no it doesn't it, like yeah exactly totally five ten right and obviously people. it's about all of them yeah like yeah. Like, like i'm a woman like of course it's about fucking all of them that's the whole point it's a, yeah. like to me that like men have been like oh, i think it's about me it's like yeah, are you kidding me uh like of course it is the whole like it literally says you're so vain. You think you, the song is about you. You probably like, think the song is about you. Yeah. Like, are you and you actually are are like, uh, <laughs> like I, it's just amazing to me. Like there was a there was a guy there was a English professor at the University of Michigan who mm -hmm. like had dated Carly Simon. It was like yeah. you know actually yeah. a lot of people think that it was not about. Like, are you? Like it's hysterically funny to me, or whatever. It's not the. I also don't. I never I, and still it. don't understand. I I've always told people I have no imagination. Like mm -hmm. I don't know why you would need an imagination when actual life, everyday life, is so completely fascinating. Yeah. I don't know why you would have to make anything up. Yeah. You know? Although I do feel like I'm. <laughs> I do also do like I think the other thing about like my poems mm -hmm. is that. Um, I, I made a lot, I, a lot, there's a lot of stuff I make up and, yeah. and it's, it's, um, and I make it up and I don't make it up in order to hide the things that are true. Mm -hmm. It's, I make it up because, um, it starts to bloom in my head in that way. Yeah. It's like, and I start to, so I do think that some people are just have that 
And I wonder, like, I would like, I think about writing fiction and um, there's something about the um, structure of it that I find um, boring, like having to create well, the, the three-act structure or whatever. Yeah, like, that, but it's just, there's, certain, <laughs> there's a certain thing about the expectation and like, you know, now we know this is going to happen, but we got to wait until, you know, I don't know. There's something in it that sometimes, um, I, it's, you know, it's just like, I don't want to be the puppet master in that way, I guess, or something. I don't sure. know. Like I, I want to try it and I will do it at some point, but it's not. But to your point, like, I, I think um, there is something about, about that, um, like the fantastical, mm -hmm. and also the the um, kind of dreaming it into being in this way that's not that again. It's for me sometimes another way of getting close to something that's true, mm -hmm. but I can't quite see it on the like because I want to get at something um, that's happening underneath whatever is happening i want to understand something that's happening in the way right. that people you so know what i mean this, so for me making something up sometimes makes it yeah. possible to see it this this is where actually i can i can bring in a, th a thing that we just exchanged an email about this this whole tarot card thing yeah 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 which i'm i'm fascinated by but i know nothing about like where uh -huh. did that how did that start and th it's so completely not opposite but so different than something like like your memoir well, but it's interesting. Like I write about it in the memoir. Like so, my yeah. mother read it, read cards when I was yeah. little. Um, okay, so, so I that, grew up with them, right? And um, yeah. so my whole life, I have um, ha had a more than one tarot deck in my life, and mm -hmm. you know, um, sometimes I am, ha you know, more public about that than other times depending yeah. on who's in the room and this is this thing of like it does feel like and certainly um there's i've i mean this is a big thing i'm struggling with how do i um continue to write about it in public i'm working on a book how mm -hmm. i don't want to write i don't want to be a tarot writing person do you know what i mean like i don't i, I but what's, I'm what's, what's the what's the fear What's the, well, that's what's the it. What is the fear? I mean, I think the idea is, well, one is, again, this getting caught up in how one is perceived um, that, again, you can't control and is stupid to worry about human. But, you know, it's like mm -hmm. that idea of um, trying to trying to control um like I'm not wanting to be dismissed. Also, there's a lot of. So you don't want to be thought of as like a new age witchy kind of crystals kind well, of person. Well, it's embarrassing. There's a whole embarrassing <laughs> thing around that. That's that the I that's the embarrassed by. Right? Okay. It is. Yeah. It is. And so, right. well, and there's also um. So that idea of a lot of what I've talked about in terms of being close to someone, having this kind of intimate relationship um, mm -hmm. or conversation. Right, I don't like small talk. Um, even the flitting around the room, talking to a bunch of people, is that um, I like just dropping down deep into this like really intense conversation with people. Mm -hmm. I started doing it in public more. I mean, first of all, like it's, it's I mean, obviously, like it's like been uh, more and more uh, part of popular culture. Mm -hmm. um, but 
uh, and, you know, and in the literary world too, and poets and tarot cards, like, you know, always there, but like in the last 10 years, it's become more and more uh, featured part of the way that some people are, uh, you know, interacting with, with others through their practice. And I think that for me, um, and again, it's funny, it, it also connects to this whole discomfort around how things like scale of audience mm -hmm. and, um, you know, commercialization of practice and, you know, uh, people are like, you know, friends of mine who love getting my readings, like, you know, I've had people say like, you, you gotta be on TikTok. And I'm like, I yeah. just, you know, that's, I don't want that, but you know, can I interact in those spaces and not, um, and just be who I am in those spaces and it mm -hmm. is okay. And I don't know. And there, it's like, these things are all very, um, you know, these are unanswerable questions. Like how will I be changed by this activity and how will people see, you know, and again, like I, the less I think about it, the better, but, but there is, there, I mean, and it's funny, like, even when you're like, oh, I know nothing about that. I was like, oh, okay. Cause there's certain people for all the people who want to, um, I mean, I've made a, a lot of new intense friendships in the mm -hmm. last uh, couple years that this has been something that is more forward facing because I, and mostly, I mean, it totally grew out of, uh, friendships that mm -hmm. with other artists where I was, I mean, this one particular artist who we were reading, we knew each other for years and we read each other's cards and then it suddenly deepened. I think she started taking it more seriously yeah. and I don't know. So, you know, various things were happening and, and she and her and I became closer and then she started sending people to me and then those people sent people to me. Yeah. And, and the thing that I loved about it was almost all of these people were really interesting artists working in different mediums. So it wasn't, um, a bunch of, uh, you know, young women hoping to hear that the guy that is, not that into them mm -hmm. is going to turn around, you know, like there's a lot of the same sort of kinds of things that motivate people to, um, reach in the direction of being given information about the future, right? Like, what do we want to know about the future for? Like often it's because there's a particular kind of crisis that yeah. we want to hear a particular outcome of for. And, okay. um, that's not interesting to me. Um, and I don't want, um, I mean, it's fine. People have, I mean, art and relationships are interconnected yeah. and I don't mind talking to people about the relationships, but that idea of just like talking to women about their shitty boyfriend, yeah. no, um, right. not when I'm I, like, I don't care. Like, uh, you're like, not their I, therapist. Well, no, it's not even <laughs> that. I mean, because like, am I? I don't know. But like, I just don't want to have that conversation. It's boring. Yeah. But like, I, I've, I mean, I have a friend who's a novelist who I like, we had sessions every time she was about to go, um, you know, um, away from her home and work mm -hmm. on the novel in isolation, we would yeah. talk right before. And I would pull cards and we would talk about the P the project and yeah. you know, it was really interesting. And, um, and it was really, 
apparently helpful. And I and so I think this idea of of um, you know symbol systems and mm -hmm. image and story and how we um, imp improvise stories mm -hmm. in language through images is something that uh, that makes just perfect sense to me mm -hmm. but I understand that it's also attached to all of these other things that are um, you know kind of a con right mm -hmm. like yeah. and and so um, or if not a con I mean it, it's it's like the same thing with like the industry around life coaching sure right yeah. like everybody goes to a life coach seemingly to discover their true vocation is to also become a life coach. It's like this whole pyramid scheme of like sure. having to, um, m you know, present oneself as the person with the answers so that you continue to walk the path. It's like a, like a loop, right? Mm -hmm. Of, of, you know, and like, I don't, it's not, I mean, whatever people are helping each other. It's fine. But, um, but I have an allergy to that, that, mm -hmm. and then you bring in social media and all of these other ways in which, um, these things circulate and act as businesses. And I am have, filled with, with like discomfort and, and mixed feelings mm -hmm. about, about it. But, um, but I, but it's, but you know, it's something I do, and it's something I do well, and it's something that I don't find actually um, to be. I mean, it comes from the exact same place that writing poems comes from for me. It comes from oh, the it does. exact okay. same. Of, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they see. I think. I mean, I read the um, this last post that that you linked to, mm -hmm. and like maybe. I mean, I'd thought about the tarot thing before a bit, but. In a way, it felt like, like, like writing prompts or something. Mm -hmm. Like, like there's a way. Yeah, I could see how a certain kind of writer, maybe if they got stuck, they could use these things as jumping. Yeah, I mean, points. writers have done that forever. Yeah. Right, and th this is the same thing I felt with. Uh, I sat in on Linda's class once. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because Kelly was running it, and she just let they let me. Yeah, yeah. They gave yeah. me, you know, their scholarship or whatever the yeah hell they yeah call i it. got like, one of those one yeah. time and yeah and i sat and i was really fascinated with what she was doing and i sort of did the exercises along with everybody but i recognized that if i had actually used any of that stuff in my own work it would destroy it that's really interesting it would, it would completely kill it i couldn't i have my own like sort of innate or like uh instinctive methods that I don't verbalize and I can't uh, I can't take these steps but I understand I could see and I could see from the reactions of the other students how sort of generative or like how they were having all these eureka moments you know totally well it's, really, uh, it's, it's interesting because I she's her way of teaching has really influenced my teaching yeah um, no she's an amazing teacher uh, but, uh, I guess I, you know, I, I encountered her like far enough down my own line, you know, my, my own path. Yeah. Like it could, it, it would just never work. I would, it would completely paralyze me. 
to, to do th- any of those exercises for real, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's also so interesting. Like, I think there's like two things that, that makes me think about Like, One is that, um, I think that for people who are stuck and mm-hmm. or don't have a practice, those kinds of, um, ways of, uh, of generating ideas mm-hmm. um, and, and through lateral thinking and, and yeah. chance operation are really effective. I think, though, that um, I often feel like doing anybody else's um, prompts, mm-hmm. while it can create work that I sometimes like, yeah. feels totally different yeah. than generating work out of my own system yeah right like uh and so but i think i what i'd be curious about is when you talk about far enough down the road of like i do think that i've always been i mean language has always been my primary medium Mm -hmm. but i've always been fascinated by listening to any artist talk about their process and even though i don't necessarily feel like i can I think sometimes what happens with some students who aren't necessarily going to be artists, but yeah. who can generate work for themselves that feels good, is that it's just like unlock something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and but I also think that, um, uh, like, I think most practices are built out of uh, taking little things you learn from other artists or from looking at things you care about and mm-hmm. paying attention to what your own rhythms are yeah. and what you're good at and what you're, you know, but that, um, you know, no, I don't think you can completely, I don't think you, I don't think anybody can just like take on someone else's entire way of working yeah. and, and not innovate it in any way and, and like actually make work that is um their i mean i don't want to say their own but like yeah. i think it will ultimately evolve right like it has yeah. to um, yeah and if you I keep think, going if any of those students in that class totally. They'll, they might be, art, yeah. they would use some and discard other things totally yeah. totally yeah and i think though that and and it's but it's interesting because there is that um i mean in, in the poetry world that idea of prompts is something you know that some what you know i was with a group of people like those were circulating for a while Mm -hmm. you know and these were writers at a high level and um you know you see like the new york you know a lot of the people it's like new york school and post new york school poets who did do a lot of those kinds of exercises as um ways of staying um in contact with the different part of the brain and i think as a visual artist for you i also think that that might be less necessary you know i think writers so often get stuck in their head that like they have to come up with these like complicated ways to get around to to the to being how 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 are you going to surprise yourself you know um how are you going to like accidentally find the thing you didn't know you were looking for yeah i mean i'm i'm an accidental writer and i I will never be a writer first uh even though i mean arguably if anybody knows about my work, it's from writing more than right. pictures. But like, the pictures are so so much more important. And 
I've been with for so much longer, you know, and it's, it informs how I write, <laughs> you know, it absolutely yeah. does. And I mean, the last few years I've been really trying to merge the two. So I've really gotten into this whole collage thing mm-hmm. and <laughs> where I can use words in a different, in a visual way and I can kind of merge them. I have, you know, I haven't quite, quite succeeded yet. I don't know if I ever will, but uh, yeah, I think that's part of why, yeah, these, and things like like reading your entry about the tarot, there was all these mm-hmm. uh, words. It's it it strikes me as so open ended in a certain way, and that kind of open endedness just makes my mind go blank. Uh, the the language around the tarot stuff, all yeah. the possibilities that are suggested by these pictures on the on the tarot, it it just it it makes me completely freeze up. You know, like that something about it, just in general. It's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whereas for me, it's like, oh, it's like, um, you know, it's. I mean, again, like, I mean, one of my, you know, uh, one of the skills I I developed early and reached for often is metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind yeah. of the main, and that's really what how they function is yes. that they carry these narrative associations, but that can be recombined infinitely. Yeah. And it's it's about allowing yourself to trust mm-hmm. that um, you just like pick one of, like you just pick the f- first sort of combination and you, it's a, I guess it's improvisational in that way, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a lot like improvising on stage is it's, um in response to something but it's in response to something that as you said is so open-ended that then it becomes it's a very creative process yeah you know because it's not just about saying i mean i'm not interested in that i'm not interested in in saying oh well you have a contract coming up because the emperor is here and you know or this is a a legal matter or Mm -hmm. uh you know i'm not interested in um, you know, and, and at one time, I mean, there is a whole tradition around, um, forms of divination that are for a certain kind of audience that are very much about, um, actually quite narrow, Mm -hmm. um, interpretations of different prompts, different things. But for me, it's like, okay, but like, there's a story and how am I finding the story? And, and I don't like it being something like I, I'm not interested when I'm doing that in, I, I believe, and this is where it gets tricky because I like to not have mm-hmm. the conversation with people who, you know, and there's a whole language that is, again, embarrassing and drained yeah. of meaning and bloated, um, like the whole vocabulary for having talking about anything. The word spiritual makes me cringe. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, the, for me, having a conversation with like things like the like mysterious um like even just like that sense of memory i mean it's all to me about reaching into darkness and pulling something out and looking at it and trying to figure out what it is you're looking at and i think that for me that that can become something where i do not always like to say what i think is happening like Mm -hmm. i do feel and like and i remember having this conversation with a friend of mine it was not about tarot. It was just about how I felt being in a room in, in a car mm-hmm. with somebody, right? Like where I said, you know, when I have conversations sometimes with people, it was a long time. It was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I feel like 
Um, I, rem I remember, I think about this conversation a lot because I said something I don't think I knew mm -hmm. about myself until I said it. But I said, I feel sometimes, um, you know, when I drop into this space with somebody that like, it feels like, whether this is an illusion or not, it feels like I can climb inside their head and look out of their eyes. Mm. And it feels like, and you know, when I talked to V, she was like, is it empathy, this thing that I keep yeah. seeing in the work you do? Yeah. You know, are you just like, I was like, well, sure, that sounds nice. But like, also, maybe I just have really bad boundaries, you know, <laughs> like, it's not. Yeah. Um, but there is a there's something that um, and I think that if I, that's what uh, everything I do comes from that impulse. And yeah, I mean, I could say psychologically, that that's come from me trying to figure out what which mother I'm dealing with today or or like where is she and what's yeah. happening in there like um there's a there's like I can point to the ways in which my brain and psyche developed in a context in which this way of relating to the world you know became hyper developed in me but I do also believe in that moment that I am able to, and that it's not, and I don't know, again, the less I really think about it, the better, because if I try to explain, mm -hmm. then I start having to rely on using words I don't feel have any genuine texture to them, and I have to um, put, and even in writing those pieces about each card, mm -hmm. In which I'm doing a lot of labor. Like I'm reading many, many books. I'm thinking yeah. about the all of these different historical associations, and then I'm thinking about how it lines up with what am I thinking about this week or in the moment. I mean, I haven't, I've not been writing them on a schedule the last few months, but mm. but that sense of um, you know looking for patterns and yeah. um, feeling, and it's like what is it that um, allows you know, I don't understand, you know, and just trusting it. And, and the more I trust it, the more effective the process is like anything, but, but then I, I too, am like, I'm not incapable of sitting back and thinking, okay, well, there's an element of this that is like, I mean, an element of the way that I live in the world that I recognize is, is, um, could be um, categorized as a form of mental illness, you mm. know, to, based on who, you know what I mean? Like there's a way in which I, like this thing of magical thinking and yeah. um, seeing meaning um, where my eye falls and believing in a kind of, um, that I am, you know, choosing through, like yeah. consciously choosing to, interact with the world in a way in which I believe that, uh, that there, that, and whether that meaning is, is there, whether I see it or not, or whether it, it is born out of yeah. my bringing my attention to it. Well, either like, I you, believe yeah, I, I choose are, this, yeah. like I choose this way of living, you know, um, <laughs> I recognize I can play both sides, right? I can play both sides of it, but well, yeah. It's... Unless you get into sort of yeah, that as you say, spirituality or metaphysics, there is no. I mean, there's no meaning out there. You're you're putting the meaning in, or somebody else is, and you're living in their meaning. I don't know. I don't. 
people need meaning. Uh, the world doesn't. The world doesn't. I don't know. I don't think it means anything. Right. We, we need it to mean things because that's how we. That's that lets us live <laughs> to justify totally. justify well, our actions or decisions. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like that's like that famous line by Didion, right? That opens the the White Album is like we tell ourselves stories in order to live. Like I right. do, I do. For me, it is a, another form of storytelling, and it is one in which I recognize that I. Uh, and I try to be very careful mm -hmm. about what I say. Um, but, you know, it is a very loaded space to walk into with someone. And I am not... Uh, yeah, I mean, you're putting... You, thought, know, you can, you know, potentially put thoughts and images into their heads that may not want or need to be there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, it's like it, it, there's a lot of responsibility yeah, that goes yeah. with having those kinds of conversations. And, uh, you know, it's something that I reckon, you know, I'm I'm very uh, like I, I don't it's not like when people argue about what can be very destructive about uh, th these activities. It's not that I don't get it. And it's like. It's, but it's interesting, like what my, um, I don't, you know, and it's like even one thing that was interesting about writing, so it was a kind of a impulsive, I, I, you know, so you talk about the newsletter, I was like, okay, my book's been out a while, it's mm -hmm. a pandemic, I should do something, uh, you know, I don't know what, you know, I guess maybe I'll have a newsletter. And it was like, well, what, what will I do? organize this activity around and this was at a moment in which i was um it'd been a, like maybe six months or so that like i'd suddenly been reading cards for all these people yeah. and i thought well you know i could do the, i it just you know and i also didn't of course anticipate how much work i was it was going to require for me because <laughs> of the way i was going to do it i just was okay that's a thing i can do and then I got, and you know, even like there's things where at first I was like, you know, it's a performance and sometimes there's like a wink to that idea of, of um, inhabiting the role of the Oracle, right? Like mm -hmm. sometimes for me, especially writing in that way and then like the direct, it's an experiment with direct address. Like I'm, uh, I'm trying to, um, I'm, you know, there's something about you and like this this provocation that like if you're reading this then what this i'm saying is relating to you and yeah. i see this and it's like i did that sort of out of like i had a kind of artistic reason for thinking about doing that and i was also thinking on this very small scale again of like there's this little circle of people that i'm already in this um performing from this space with um, but then when I go into TikTok and I realize like, oh, there's this whole massive culture, subculture. Oh, connected to of, tarot? Connected to tarot in which people come on and say, um, you know, this is a reading for the collective, but it's like, it's very seductive because mm. it's for you. And, you know, there's some people who I, I can tell, I'm like, they're just in it and they're doing what they're in. I can feel, I feel, I judge my discernment is when yeah. i look at some of these people who are doing this i think okay like they're in it they're in yeah. their thing and they're making it available and it's meaningful to the people it's meaningful to and then there's others where i see it and i'm like oh this is um a different kind of performance and i see 
I more I see it more cynically and I see more a sense of someone um, and again we talk about audience someone very deliberately I mean there was one where I saw a woman saying uh, okay there's someone he is thinking about you he is regretting um, <laughs> the way he behaved he is thinking oh. of how he took you for granted he is he is going over all of his, mm -hmm. and I'm like, no, he isn't. That you know, like no, he is a, not. That guy is not doing that. Yeah. That guy is not thinking about her. They're and, being told but, what they want to hear. Yeah, what they and they're want to hear. <laughs> and they're being told it in this very interesting, like, um, and then because TikTok has like a very specific algorithm, right? Mm -hmm. So it's also there's this thing where it's just going out, right? It's like a yes. net, and then, yeah. um. And okay, so then it becomes um, complicated because then it becomes like, okay, well, if it's, I mean, everybody's looking for something in these spaces and if you find what you're looking for, is it? But there is this and someone's showing up to present it. But like, I, again, I don't want it. I don't want to be a part of that. But um, there's just in the same way that I don't want to make cat pictures just because people like cats, you know? But I do like making cat pictures. So, you know, and if people like them, they're welcome to buy them. So there's, you know, it gets weird and it gets confusing when you recognize too that, and this is, becomes like a even stranger thing when, like, what is it that you're offering? What are you promising? What mm -hmm. are you, you know, and and what is the relationship between is it, that and yeah. what, what you are actually able to deliver? But this conversation I had with someone who's like, you need to be on TikTok. And I'm like, I don't think so. Um, you know, sh this person is looking at TikTok a lot and they just got out of a bad situation they're trying mm -hmm. to work through. Yeah. And, um, and they're like, you know, I find it very comforting, even if they're full of shit, even if they're scammed, like, yeah. um, there's something about, I, now I think they're hearing different things than what I just voiced that, um, you know, this person's thinking about you, but I, it is, it is really, it gets very complicated. And I think that, um, I know a lot of, I know musical artists who have described what they do is, um, like being a vehicle for people's emotions. Yeah. And I thought that was really, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Or like this particular gig, right? This particular gig of a band that was a kind of doing well and, mm -hmm. you know, that it was, oh, well, you know, we make this stuff that's like, a way that they're able to attach emotional well, of course, experiences because... that are too big for them to like work through. So this, yeah. you know, and like someone loves that song. That's like, you know, he, he's thinking about you, you know, like it's the same thing. It's the same thing in well, a way. Like, uh, you know, like you put out a song yeah. there that's like for people with the broken hearts. It's just of that course. it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's, um, I guess we want, I believe in the power of work that comes out of genuine experience that like that thing of like where you were talking about having to do, having to make something, whether or not, even if there's a social cost. And, you know, look, like when I put that book together, mm -hmm. I, I was like, you know, I said to my partner, I was like, you know, you've got to finish it because... Yeah you know, he's reading, he's reading it slow. Yeah. And he's like, I was like, because, you know, I'm gonna, I, I don't think he was older than six. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. And, uh, 
And I was like, damn, all right, I like that part, but okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was something that Mike gave me some feedback where I was like, that's fair, you know? Uh, yeah. Like, I should include that too. But there was something he did want me to take out. He's like, this makes me sound really mean. I was like, oh, sorry. But, like, that has to be there. So there's yeah. that sometimes you just know, and it's, and it's like, um, uh, you know, and you just, like, there's... There's sometimes there's, uh, I mean, and the, the, the part of me is like, I wish I had a year so I could take out everything in the book except for the things that had to be there. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, make it shorter, make it just the things that had to be there. Um, that's, that's like what I would like to be able I, to do. But I mean, know. I think it's, it's inevitable that somebody will mis, misconstrue or be hurt by something. Somebody from your life. Totally. totally. And, and it's different, you know, where you have, uh, a, a child and a, a spouse. I, I don't know if you're married or not. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we're married. Uh, I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter. But we, yeah, we, are, uh, we are, in fact, legal. That's a, that's a different that. level of engagement than... Well, and responsibility. Like somebody, yeah. yeah. But, but you know, yeah. I spent a lot of time... Mm-hmm. I, you know, I wrote about working at Cosmo Girl magazine in New York mm-hmm. City. I spent a lot of time worrying about how I wrote about that so that I didn't feel like I didn't want to be mean yeah to want to just settle scores specifically the former editor-in-chief mm. um who I now follow on Instagram and started a Substack the same week I did it's very strange <laughs> um and uh you know I think first of all a um I think she could have handled it and yeah. um I think I I I you know I probably could have been a bit more more critical than mm-hmm. I was if I you know there's something but I also there was you know and this becomes an interesting question when we're talking about artistic ethics is you know um, what is more important like um, to in terms of determining what you what is there and what's not there what you write what you don't write is it's like you know I, I stand by the fact that I also wanted to resist it would it's very easy would have been very easy to just um again say using the expression dine out but just like to really dig in Mm -hmm. and make fun of those women you know because uh you know i wasn't of that world i did not fit into that world sure um you know there's a lot of and i have that mean girl in me who Mm -hmm. wants to um uh puncture that performance of femininity and that kind Mm. of um sort of uh i don't know there's a kind of um kind of allegiance to a kind of conformity that i i want to disrupt but um but i also have respect those women and they were smart and they weren't um evil you know Mm -hmm. uh and they don't deserve me like dragging them in and and uh you know holding them up as examples of something much bigger than them you Mm -hmm. know what i mean it's like the real problem isn't these individual people who are are figuring you know who have are doing what they can with what they've got it's like so um you know it felt misogynist to me Mm. to you know um okay like if i was gonna but but so that i stand by but there was also a part of me that was like I don't want, I didn't want her to be mad at me. 
<laughs> and yeah. like she wasn't even in my life and like that's not like when I think about that it's like um I mean and I you know I, I took the risk I did the thing is fine but I, I think I overly worried about yeah. That and I think that that's some. That's why I would be a terrible real journalist. You know, mm -hmm. is I think every time I I really only liked writing about things I liked. Yeah. I never liked writing about. Um, I hey you know, I, work that I was going to trash. Because, I'll tell you, I I you just know. just a few months ago lost a friend over a negative book review, and right. it wasn't it wasn't their book. It was their friend's book. Right. Yeah. That's fucked up. But like I had to. And I wrestled with it. It's the only thing. I was reading this book, and I made myself finish it, and it's an awful book. And the only thing I was concerned with it, from fall, as far as Fallout, I didn't care what this writer thought of me or what I wrote, uh, was what this other guy thought. And, yeah, yeah. and the worst-case the worst case scenario played out. Like, yeah. and, now, and now I think we're no, no longer friends, as, as far as I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> but I, now, I, I, I had to... I had to, you know, I had to fall on that sword because if I don't do that, then I'm betraying whatever credibility, whatever I have to offer the world. If I don't yeah. do that, uh, then why do I bother? Uh, so, yeah, I'm, yeah, it, it, from where I come from, you know, where I'm coming from, yeah, I, relationships suffer or are sacrificed to this, like, whatever... I don't even want to say greater good, but like this other purpose. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I've I've had lots and lots of pro personal problems, and you know, <laughs> I have a very sort of limited circle, partially because I do what I'm doing. Well, and I think and like if, that's a choice I've made. That's that's how yeah. I'm going to live. You know. <laughs> well, and I think it's like I think it's a value system, and I yeah. think it for me it's like it's like the the person who who I think I've I've like recognized or the people, whatever. When I think of the, the, the person who like likes to read novels, who um uh I you know, I felt a little uh judged by or over the years of in terms yeah. of like the fact that I, I I I write the way I do. Um is I also and this is me judging mm -hmm. um the types of work I think this person likes, right? Yeah. Is I feel like it's closer to entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. And this idea of like going on Goodreads and, and like sure. reading books, like quickly reading a lot of pop fiction, reading with this idea of being entertained. And, and you can be kind of, demonstrate how many books you read and how yeah, many stars and this you is, gave. Exactly. It. And you've got this whole way of, you know, uh, yeah, of, of, you know, this whole profile, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you've got your profile yeah. and then it's, um, and the way the types of um, you know, if anything makes me feel better about uh, people, you know, people not liking my work, it's like mm -hmm. I just look up works that I love and mm -hmm. read the stupid criticisms of it, you know. Um, yeah. And not that people can't have legitimate criticisms of work that I love, yeah. but just when people are mad at a book because the characters behave in a way that they don't think is they're um, not likable they're not, i mean that that whole <laughs> yeah, thing i wouldn't do that yeah. i wouldn't do that this book sucks it's like that's you are not meeting the book on that you know on on like uh you and, know, yeah it becomes uh, like in, a, in the space in which this book is it's like, like a cause these are your a, own conditions you know cause or a political campaign it's not a work of art it's yeah like, 
and that that people can't tell the difference between the art author or the creator and the characters they can't tell yeah all of these that, things yeah. right like if you write about someone terrible that you're terrible yeah. right if you and god especially if you're delivering the lines on stage like this whole idea that like yes. Um, if someone's saying these things that, that, that they're coming from you, from your heart uh, or whatever. Yeah. And that you're not, there isn't the possibility that you're giving voice to a point of view that you recognize is wrong or you recognize is problematic or, you know, but you mm -hmm. need to like look at it from the, anyway, I think that, <laughs> I think this whole idea of valuing, I, I think a lot of it also just comes from uh, the fact that we live in, you know, a culture that does not obviously uh value critical thinking and no. is not and also is not producing is not nurturing or producing critical like critical thinking skills i mean like like writing a negative review of a book is has become such a fraught thing because there's so few outlets that yeah. even publish book reviews yeah and i had to like think long and hard whether like this latest thing that i i mentioned mm -hmm. but what what ultimately you know made made me go forward is a this is a 600 fucking page book that a major house put out right this guy made money and he meant it to go out wide into the world so i'm not punching down you know yeah that's uh, always like and my that's, thought is he, like he, it, he put know. it put out put out his thing to be judged and i'm judging it you yeah. know like <laughs> uh, it, it's not a really a great place to be but like that in that case that's my job <laughs> yeah, no, I totally and I think, you know, like these are I mean, it's so um, it the it's always fraught. It always feels yeah. personal. It's I always and also feel honestly, like I'm working it's for, for me. I'm, yeah, well, and I just think I mean, for me, it's not what I, I just I don't I have too many things I want to do mm -hmm. and and writing thoughtfully about work I'm not interested in isn't one of them. Mm -hmm. But I think it I think there's I think it needs to be out there. I just don't yeah. want to do it. Um and you know, part of that is me being selfish and part of it is also that I don't um I, you know, and I probably do it more than I think I do it too. Mm -hmm. Uh but uh I certainly talk enough shit. But I think that, <laughs> but I think uh yeah, I think if I was more prolific and as a writer, I would there would be more of that um and you know i think it comes out in other ways like uh like when i'm saying what i like i think i'm i'm often pointing out examples of what what i don't like is at the same time but sure i, I think yeah i think it's important and i also think that uh that you know just caring and engaging with things is become so um you know hard to hold space for you yeah. know space like literal inches or space even on it's funny like the internet's infinite um but uh, i mean we used to have to cut stories because you know an ad came in and sure it it was big you know it took up space uh on the page that you had to cut a to an inch you know mm -hmm. from the column i think now uh but our attention is like so splintered and yeah we that... are heavily manipulated in terms of what we're looking at based on i mean you know i, I and i respond to it. it's good you're off social media i mean you know it's like i'm recognized no matter how much i try to tell myself that 
you know, I'm going to be a conscious or moderate user yeah. that I easily fall, especially when I'm at my, when it's the most destructive, like sure. when I'm feeling the most like, um, drifty and where, you know, moments in which I need more, uh, I, I need to be more careful yeah. about my attention. These are the times where I get sucked into clicking through. I mean, even just the way I, you know, I read stuff online instead mm -hmm. of, you know, uh, like I read all the New York articles because they send me an email. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, even though like I have the magazine, but I'm not sitting down with it. And I think mm -hmm. that, um, you know, this is something like you talked about, like going offline, except for once a month, like this is something I talk about too. And I think figuring out like ways to have containers in which it's yeah. possible to, to be very deliberate about what you do and don't. You have to fight really hard in. to set the boundaries so that these platforms and these these things are not playing you that you're using them not the other yeah. way around it's it's really really hard and it's a it's a never-ending fight and it's you, a, it you're really probably going to lose we're all going to lose but like we're you, all going to lose you can't beat the casino but the thing is is that you have to keep, uh, you have to keep fighting though you have to keep fighting and <laughs> yeah. and i think that that sense too of just also recognizing that increasingly all of our nervous systems yeah. are being um are being retuned yeah. by something that is also very aware that um, like our anxiety is, is monetizable, right? <laughs> like that there's sure. a, there's like a, an actual direct it, link between anxiety and like, uh, like a, a sort of um, openness to, uh, to being, influence to purchase a thing that might make you feel a little bit better like it's like the, the, it's very we all know it we all mm -hmm. talk about it it's very documented there's nothing unknown here yeah. and yet we are changing like our 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 mental health uh, yeah. like our our like literally like our default um like thought process is being manipulated fully yeah. by 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 the ways we interact with material with these you know little artificial intelligences that are um i mean we know we're being used but we think oh, that's fine i don't mind looking at pictures yeah. of the stuff i'm interested in anyway but it's like it's more than that right because it is actually making it so we can't think you know, yeah, and that's why I like being able to write a book review in which you are able to articulate what you actually think instead mm -hmm. of um, the only thing circulating being um, essentially, you know, press releases <laughs> as, as, you know, is like, I think important, you know, press releases and hot takes or whatever. Yeah, oh, the hot take. I mean, that's the other thing is I'm not I'm. I don't want to speak permanently on the record with the first thing I think when something happens. You know? Yeah, and yet you, uh, everybody, every tweet is kept for will forever be kept, and will come back and bite you in the ass when it's convenient to somebody you know that wants to torpedo your career or whatever you know because of yeah. what, some flippant stupid thing you said once lives forever. I mean, it yeah. ruins people's lives. Yeah, things no, that I know. They, were just off the cuff.
Yeah, I mean, and we all make mistakes, joke, you know? right? Yeah, Maybe. or and also bad just jokes. like bad, Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember saying when Fiona Apple was huge, mm-hmm. you know, in seventeen, and people were like mad about what she was saying, and I was like, I and I wasn't. I was still in my twenties, and mm-hmm. I, I and I was glad no one was doing it then. But I said, you know, I remember thinking, thank. God, nobody put a microphone in front of me when I was 17. Right. You know? Yeah, like, I don't envy the kids at all. Uh, oh, my God. Every, every no. waking moment is documented and, and dissected and can be judged all, you know, every, every second of their life. Yeah. It's no, hor- it's really... It's, it's fucking horrible. <laughs> it's really bad. It's really bad. And, you know, what... Yeah. Like but they... Yeah, they... You know, coming at them. They know it, too, because... Last week I was a guest in a college class. I was I did read read from a book and like talked and stuff about my quote unquote career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, in the Q and A, this this one girl like suggested like that like you should be on Book Talk. You know, like Book Talk. Yeah, and I I have a friend who's like older, who just a couple of weeks, f- few months ago, like went viral on book talk and sold like 10,000 copies in two months of a book you know but I just laughed and laughed because like I I don't even have a smartphone anymore intentionally and then I asked her like well why don't you make a video about my book on book talk and she said I deleted the app because I was on it too much like they know you know know. these young people they know it's fucking them up you know like how it's fucking everybody up oh totally (laughs) All right. Well, I said I wouldn't talk to you for four hours. I think yeah, we're I think we, I think we've covered it. Yeah. So yeah. if I, I hopefully if your visa problems are are, <laughs> uh, are solved, maybe one day we'll we can meet in person. One yeah. day for sure. And yeah, it nice. might be it might be this. Dis- I mean, I might come, but it's just the timing is well, awkward. Yeah, drop and, me a line. You know, this I'll yeah. Let you know. Yeah, this won't post until January because that's okay, scheduled cool. that that far ahead. But I'll let you. Do know. you you edit them? I'm uh, hoping you cut uh, them down. Uh, I'm talking way too much. It depends. This is great. This is exactly <laughs> what I was hoping for. And like, like, like I we, we said early on, like you and I have never spoken, but I knew. I know. Like you know, you get an instinct about certain people, like, and you just know right. that we yeah. just have a this like in these long rambling talks. Is that's what I'm all. That's what I'm into. That's this is the opposite very, of a junket I mean, or like a press tour. Like, yeah. I if you had a new book, we'd be talking about it. But like, that's not the purpose of this, you know? Right. No, it's super. I mean, it's I. It's fine. I mean, like, I'm like the. I I just can't shut up ever. So like, it's no, it's kinda, fantastic. Thanks. It's nice. I I like was a nightmare. I think for I did a when my book first came out and I was broken from the pandemic and not yeah. knowing how to talk to people uh, like concisely and uh and then that book it was like there it's not exactly got a single through line right so mm-hmm. the producer did the pre-interview and we talked for like almost four hours and she's like oh. halfway through she's like i've never talked to anyone this long in a pre-interview and yeah. i was like oh yeah sorry and they just kept talking and then you know <laughs> i guess she was like was, i don't really know how to make this like she couldn't find the like way to make the book she's like there's so many different things we could talk yeah, about. yeah the, the elevator you know? pitch or whatever yeah and it is it's like i think about that a lot in terms of form is like you know uh 
No, but I it's, actually, a, it's a super you know, engaging book. I mean, I, I, com thanks. I completely responded to it. I mean, you know, I wrote a review of it. You know, yeah. Pretty positive review of it. Uh, and yeah, you, you figured out like uh, an unusual form or like structure to, to say what you needed to say yeah. in that book. Oh, thanks. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I look forward to meeting you in person sometime. Yeah. And uh, I will, uh, like, you know, go go do a little more digging on on some of the stuff you've already posted that I haven't heard yet. Oh me? Yeah, yeah. There's a whole. I mean, yeah. It's sort of been going. It's it'll be coming up on a year that I've sort of formalized it into this like long interview format. I've been screwing around with podcasts for a while, but like this. Like I just decided to sort of focus and have it a weekly thing and just trying to connect with interesting people and trying to get inside their heads for a little while, you know? Yeah, no, it's awesome. All right. Well, thank you. I'm very glad thank you so you much. asked me yeah. and have a great day you and all too. that. Okay, cool. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>